Welcome back to another episode of Suds and Cinema. My name's Kyle. I'm Jacob. I'm Josh. This is episode number 51, and tonight we are reviewing Promising Young Woman and Pieces of a Woman. Two uh, female central uh, movies, so we thought, why not have a straight white male as a guest? <laughs> yeah, discussing it. So we want to welcome uh, Travis back to the show, back-to-back episodes from uh, Cinephiles Digest. How's it going, Travis? Hey, thanks for having me back. I didn't think I'd be back on so soon, but here I am. Truth be told, I didn't either. He's basically, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> basically the next member of Suds and Cinema now. So, honorary member. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, those two movies coming up, plus what else we've been watching. Um, we just, you know, finished episode fifty. It was a just a massive show. I don't know how much we're gonna have to talk about, but we got. Uh, we got these movies rolling right into 2021 based on our rules. So uh, we're counting these as 2021. Oh, we are for sure. Which <laughs> by our rules. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the release dates on Netflix says 2021. <laughs> so, so for our 2021 list, you know, what's going to be the best of the year so far pieces of woman or promising a woman. Can only have, there's only two options. Well, for the record, <laughs> they're definitely I'm my top two. These. 2020 releases yes travis is a he's a more of a what's the what's the word uh old school traditional yeah for sure (laughs) following the festival the festival release date no it's just got to release in the states sometime in that given year so like right any sort of limited release it would count for that year so you're saying if 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 we go back to your previous top tens, we'll not find a we'll not find a movie. Let's say in your 2019 top ten that was released limited in 2018. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't want to go letterbox police on you, but I don't might have count to. festival ones. Like okay. if it released in 2018 at a festival, but not limited. Yeah, if it's a limited release, it counts. And you know, we'll probably get to the point soon where when they if do a limited release, it. it should. It should be out on digital like soon after. It's especially after this year. I think they might move in that direction. So I go off of IMDb, and for example, Promising Young Woman. It has a December twenty fifth United States release date. So I would go off of that. Right. Yeah. That is true. And let me see. There was one movie that. Have you ever heard of Field Guide to Evil? No. <laughs> this movie. No. <laughs> so it has like a 20 on just the year on IMDb next to it. It says 2018. I don't even think it's been released yet uh, widely or even on digital. Oh, yeah, release date, December 25th, 2020. And it says 2018 so next it's, to it. It's a 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of release it was, though. It just says <laughs> that on the on the bottom. Anyway, that movie, that made me think of that. All right, well... We have a beer here. Now, this was uh, not chosen by us again. I know last week we did kind of a group choice of uh, CBS and Hop Slam, two just very highly rated beers for episode 50. And uh, this week we wanted to have Travis choose some beers, and then we kind of picked what would be available to us. And so we came out with two uh, Stone beers, very popular brewery out of, is it San Diego, California? Well, basically. And also known for their IPAs, right? I mean, 
Definitely. I mean, their enjoy by is like well known, and most of those are, or all of them are IPA. And obviously, Stone IPA is a go to. Yeah. I think they also make one called Go To. <laughs> Fear Movie Lions. Great Delicious. beer. So, anyway, we have uh, Stone Ripper, which is a pale ale. And what's the other one called? Tangerine Express. Hazy IPA. So we got a pale ale and a hazy IPA. Now I want to point out that I've never had stone before today, and I didn't really choose these. I was more so you gave me a list of breweries, <laughs> and I went to True. a local beer shop and found <laughs> beers from said breweries. That uh, is true. But, I mean, but you I'm excited to try them because you did call them the king of IPAs, <laughs> or at least one of the... Uh, they do make amazing IPAs. Oh, yeah, they definitely are famous for that, for sure. But you did, in a sense, choose them because you wouldn't have picked them out if they didn't seem appealing to you. These drew you in somehow. He's like, no, these were literally yeah. every single one. That was <laughs> I didn't have a lot of time, so really I was just looking for Stone, Deschutes, <laughs> and um, I think Alaskan was the other one I grabbed. Oh, okay, okay. Well, you did let, you did mention the just the can, which we actually, I think this is our first Stone, this is our, these are our first Stone beers on the show. Correct me if I'm wrong, they Jacob. They are. They are. I am not. And the uh, you're right. The interesting thing about these and most of their cans, which I don't know what makes what makes the difference, but a lot of them are upside down. But now, for are you example, to store them upside you, down. No, that's just like no, that's just like a brand new thing they're doing. It's called like leave no stone unturned. Mm. <laughs> I, my, <laughs> I, my theory is that it was an accident. Like there was one group of them they're like oh shit we messed that up and then they're like you know what we should make this something and just do all of them upside down so it looks like we did it on purpose and then that's probably not what happened but it's all a conspiracy a happy accident. stone gate <laughs> yeah so like this one is upside down and then like the coco vesa that i just got was is right side up the labels right side up but that's a new release also yeah, so, so I don't know what the what's up with the consistency anymore. there. Doesn't matter. All right, you want to start with? Uh, I'll do the description for the Sto uh, Stone Ripper first, uh, and then you can do the Tangerine. So Stone Ripper, as I mentioned, is a pale ale, an American pale ale. Uh, description reads: When it came to creating Ripper, we drew inspiration from the coastal surf cultures of SoCal and Oz, sourcing classic Cascade from the Pacific Northwest and Australian Galaxy hops from. Yes, Australia. We made a beer both lovers of frothy peaks and hoppy green buds will be stoked about. At the same time, we stayed true to our San Diego roots by pushing the, the hot boundaries of this style. While some might think it lingers on an edge far closer to an IPA, with all the dry hop flavor and aroma, it's actually right in line with the current day interpretation of a West Coast pale. Ours just so happens to have an Aussie accent that's cascading with a juicy amount of grapefruit and passion fruit hoppiness. So veg out or venture out, either way, rip one open and taste this awesome golden nectar. So this has a 5.7% ABV, 40 IBUs. And yeah, it sounds like, you know, it's, it's one style, but it might be, as it mentions, riding a fine line between an IPA and uh, a couple other things. So going to be a little fruity. No, you guys won't uh, be able to say it's fruity. No. We're ripping into this? taste this. 
but uh, Travis and I will. So let's try this first, and then you guys can read the description on that other one, all right? Would love to do that. Cheers. Cheers. How does that taste, Kyle? Mm. It's actually very, very good. Yeah. I was going to say, that's like my favorite pale ale. It is really good. It's not, yeah, it's, um... It does kind of taste like an IPA, just a little more mellow. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not super hoppy, but yeah, dry hop flavor exactly like it says. Um, yeah, to it's be just, honest, it, I feel like I got bopped by buying this um, this little make your own six pack because um, I think I got some old beers. Oh, <laughs> it's like it's a skunky. So is yours? Well, is yours not tasting? On the bottom of my ripper here, it says enjoy by November 29th. Could be worse, but <laughs> oh, it's aged. <laughs> hey, you know what? Mine says enjoy by December thirty first. So That's mine was canned in September. Fresher, uh, a little bit, but it's past. It's only it's only a couple weeks past the enjoy by date, but. It well, was remember, canned in September. By just means that's the date they think it will taste best by. It doesn't mean that it is bad yeah, now. Yeah. No, like that's fair. Date. Yeah. That's right. fair. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that since you guys seem to know a little bit more about beer. Because um, I know some people trade beer and stuff, and obviously if you're going to be trading and well, and then like people hold on to special releases and like sell them or keep them for themselves for later, and so obviously it's not expired, but there is some. There's like this window of time where it's best enjoyed or whatever yeah. yeah what they especially consider um ipas they they lose a lot of their happiness after about 90 to 120 days oh okay. yes so you really usually only like age like stouts or the darker beers especially because there you can get more complex flavors over time and it can change versus yeah you want hoppy beers to be fresh tasting mm-hmm. i see <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. Or about Word. Belgians. Yeah. Belgians. Should I move? <laughs> we just lost Josh again. To my description here. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. While Josh reconnects, we're having some right. problems with him, I guess. All right. Perfect. This will give time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, like we said before, the Stone Tangerine Express Hazy IPA rolls right off the tongue <laughs> and yeah so you said san diego before that's close but it's actually technically escondido Escon- yeah as i say i i it's like i read the right can i was gonna say that so the, oh this and then i read the can it said san diego it's so it's, it's actually san diego as stone tangerine express ipa mm-hmm. what's it called now yeah it's called Stone Tangerine Express Hazy IPA. They changed. They took out the hazy. Or maybe they just changed into a hazy. Does it say formally known as? Yeah, I mean they changed. They added the hazy. Yeah, that's so. The there might be difference. two different versions now. I don't know, but what I do know is this ain't no just add juice approach. This one is for adults. We use Bountiful Whole Tangerine Puree which brings pithy, crisp bitterness to citrus flavor. In addition to the complexities of the tangerine, the likes of which you can only get by using the whole fruit, 
we judiciously employ just a hint of whole pineapple for back note. You'd likely not even pick it out of the mix if we didn't tell you it was there. We're not looking for a sweet concoction to appease the I want my beer to taste like fruit juice crowd. This is stone. We like our IPAs to taste like IPAs. Big, bold, and not for kids. <laughs> like all alcohol. <laughs> but there we go. All right, sounds good. You want to crack into that? Yes, let's. Now, I have had this one. I haven't had a lot of stone beers, but I've had this one. I remember not loving it. it. A half hour ago. Yum. Well, Kyle, you're wrong. Uh, no, I'm saying <laughs> it, it can be good, but I didn't. I just didn't love it. Honestly, mm. it, it grew on me. Um, the first couple drinks I had, I thought it was a little too bitter for my taste, but mm-hmm. but as then, the alcohol kicks in, <laughs> yeah, then I was it was actually opening up to me. So, hmm. and I definitely it is fruity. For sure, that tangerine is a strong flavor. I don't know if I pick out that pineapple that they were talking about. Same. But my palate clearly isn't as advanced as some. But the bitterness is definitely there. So you got that happiness, which is always great. And it's super crisp. I think this one would be good on like a spring day. Is Joshua here? Does he have notes? <laughs> What's that? You gonna you gonna talk? Oh well, Jacob was just going, so I was just letting you go. You were telling a story. You were going a direction. Well, you can't see me because you're the thing in the way. I was gesturing with my eyebrows towards you. Oh well, I'm I have a good good barrier over here. (laughs) Keep it in the way. Um, It's not helping much though. I get a little bit of a uh, pineapple note for sure, but would you have gotten that if they didn't say it though? Placebo yeah, you know, I mean, it, no, because I've had this <laughs> prior. I feel like it tasted different before. It was more like an IPA with just like tangerine notes, and this just feels like there's like a like puree or like it like with juice added to it. IPA notes. Yeah, it's it's pretty juicy, and I want to know. It's like hazy IPAs that like the de facto name now for New England's. Is that like what they're moving towards? Yeah, New England isn't politically correct. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what they call those in uh, Canada? No. <laughs> I was waiting for someone. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say that. <laughs> it, Vermont IPA, which is more correct, honestly. But that's a whole thing. Which we had talked about before. The regional, the regional name doesn't. Yeah. It's right. It doesn't make sense, or it doesn't have to be that. Yeah, I don't even think are these are they now recognized as actual styles of beer? Because wasn't it for a while there that the hazy IPAs and such were not considered by like the Brewers Association or something as a distinct style? Um, I do not recall that, but oh, maybe. Well, I may have made all that up, but it sounded really good. Brewers Association. I don't know. You have to ask either Josh or. All because of the haziness and everything, it's basically was like an underdone IPA, so they didn't like that. Hmm. Or I'm making that all up, you know. 
All right, well. Yeah, I like it a lot. Both very good. I'm going to check out this Coco Vesa maybe later in the show. We can just talk about three stone beers. It's actually, we actually uh, have another Coco Vesa. stone beer as well. What'd you get? We got Sublimely something. It's a black IPA. Jeez. Well, there you go. It's all stone show. Yeah. But it's Choco Vesa. Choco Vesa. Whatever. <laughs> and X makes this CH sound because, you know, Mayan. Well, you guys Not are the Mexicans, now. so. <laughs> All right. Damn right. Well, that brings us to our first featured review, which is going to be Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman is written and directed by Emerald Fennel, uh, stars Carrie Mulligan, uh, Clancy Brown, Jennifer Coolidge, Bo Burnham, Allison Bree, Adam Brody, a couple other people. Uh, plot synopsis reads, a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. Let's take a listen to a clip. I left because of what happened to Nina. Hmm. Nina Fisher. You don't remember her? Maybe you remember Alexander Monroe? Oh, yes, Alexander Monroe. He actually just came back and gave a talk here. Oh, he's a, he's a really nice guy. Really smart. Are you a friend of his? No. So you don't remember the accusations made against Al Monroe? I don't. He took a girl, Nina Fisher, the one you don't remember, back to his room where he had sex with her repeatedly and in front of his friends while she was too drunk to have any idea what was going on. She was covered in bruises the next day. Handprints, I guess you could say. Was it reported? Yes. Do you know who Nina spoke to? You. All right, what did you guys think of Promising Young Woman? And so, do you want to start yeah. with Jacob? Be courteous. Maybe we should let our yeah. guests go first. I'm fine with that. I acquiesce. Do you want to kick it off, Travis? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Yeah. Um, so I watched this... Friday night, I think. Yeah. Uh, this was probably one of my most anticipated movies, although I didn't really watch a trailer for it. I kind of knew, like, the... I don't even know if I really knew the setup of it. I just kind of knew it was somewhat of, like, a revenge movie, um, and it had Carrie Mulligan in it, and it had, like, very vibrant colors. That's kind of all I really knew. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, so What it else was, do you need to know? <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool seeing the the premise or the setup unfold shortly into the movie. Very um, shortly. Cause, yeah. Cause <laughs> they get right into it when they, when the camera, like, you know, first hits on Carrie Mulligan, you, you kind of know what the movie's going to be um, just from that mm-hmm. shot. So I, I appreciated that. Um, I thought it was really funny. Um, I thought the writing was really good. There was some good twists and turns along the way. And, um, I just liked a lot of the scenes, and um, I did really like the ending. I'm sure we'll get into spoilers later. Um, kind of a complex ending, I'd say. And um, really liked some of the performances. Like, Carrie Mulligan was awesome, and I really liked uh, Bo Burnham as well. I thought he was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's basically my initial impression. Um, liked it a lot. Probably one of my favorites of the year. Uh, you'll have to tune into Cinevile's Digest to see if it makes the top ten or not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my initial impression. 
Well, I yeah, I knew nothing about this movie other than it was getting a lot of hype going into it. So I had no idea what to expect. And even while watching it, it was like that kind of continued through because because I did not know what to expect as the story was like unfolding before me just constantly like I felt like I was being surprised and in a good way there was even parts that kind of shifted and you're like oh it's going to be this type of movie like and then it wasn't <laughs> I really liked how it looked uh, there was kind of some cool shots with they'd like to do slow almost zooming focus shots a lot and the color looked really good i love the intro i think i feel like that's something kyle would like especially with the dance intro there <laughs> damn it i knew I it i fucking hate you jacob <laughs> i fucking hate you I good good i stole his thunder <laughs> and yeah i i thought it was really funny like i laughed out loud a few times in this but then also almost it was like hey do you want to feel bad about laughing too and it was it's like would take this 180 and make you really think about these really important kind of social issues that a lot of people, I mean, especially a lot that women have to face, right? Again, another movie where you're just like thrown into that and gain that new perspective. And it was like pretty eye-opening, honestly. And even though I agreed with this kind of like, like I know this is an issue already, just seeing it and it presented in such a way was refreshing i liked it even though it was not it didn't make me feel particularly good uh i loved yeah all i loved bo burnham and carrie mulligan in this both did great and yeah overall just really good i wish i could have seen this before my top 10 list because i think if i would have seen this in 2020 it would have been in mine Top well, ten. It, it might make it in, in my top ten. Might but. make it in twenty twenty one. You never know. We'll see. It definitely has a good chance. My initial impressions are: I enjoyed it, but it, I would definitely would never put it in a top ten list of any sort. Um, I think the acting was obviously really good, um, but I feel like at times it was a little too heavy handed and a little too deliberate in its approach, mm -hmm. and I felt like. Are you thinking? <laughs> we lost your Josh. Yeah, we can't. It might hear cut you. out. Are you right now, Joshua? Okay, I'll give my uh, in initial impressions while Josh is reconnecting. Um, I also liked it uh, quite a bit, um, but I didn't absolutely love it. This is something that, with a little bit different of direction, probably would have. Uh, been a movie that I loved uh, just based off of the style you know it's like a little bit almost like a comedic winding refin right um, a little mm -hmm. bit of those vibes um, but yeah tonally Definitely. I think it's a little mm, not all over the place but there are some shifts that are a little bit jarring and um, I liked I did like the writing a lot you know uh, all the dialogue and the conversation and just how she like Jacob said, it's it's bringing these issues to light. It's not it didn't change the way I thought or anything, but it's it's um, satisfying to see her exact this vengeance upon people that might not think that way, and just how she gets them to change or just think of it. Sometimes it just takes uh, her twisting their mind a little bit to think of it differently. You know, like for example, the dean and her daughter. Um, it's just all satisfying yeah. to see those those scenes play out. So 
I liked all that stuff. Um, yeah, I thought the performances were great. Carrie Mulligan was great. Uh, Bo Burnham was great. Um, I guess it's some of the some of the side characters. I mean, they did they all did good, but again, like some of them stand out. Like um, you know, Max Greenfield even being in there for such a small role and really, you know, being himself or being his his uh, new it. girl character, I should say. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. he he killed it for. You know, being the being his stereotypical self, so I guess that's why they why they cast him there. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things I liked about it. I guess it's just how it came together as a whole that I didn't love. Um, and since Jacob already mentioned it, I will say that the opening shot, the opening scene, I did love just the the slow mo dancing the guys because <laughs> it uh, it is. Um, I love that it's like it's it's obviously. Um, it's being uh what's the word I'm thinking of? It's I don't it's, know. It's making fun of those those same shots of sexualizing women slow motion dancing, right? But it's on fat, yeah. sweaty guys instead. And I just love that juxtaposition that, that she shows. Thought it was pretty funny. But yeah, those are my uh, initial thoughts and we'll get into it. So go ahead, Josh. Why don't you just start from the beginning? No, start from where you stopped. Where did I... I exactly, you can't remember. That. You only said like one well, sentence, I so... Well, I, I know that I said that was heavy-handed, and I know that Kyle responded to that, so at least I got that far. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but what I was saying is that I think that there's a lot better films that are out there that deal with this delicate subject a little bit better than this one. Um, I also don't... I didn't get the comedic elements at all, like... I didn't laugh at all. I didn't. I mean, I, I it was witty, so I guess chuckling, but I didn't like laugh out loud ever. And I didn't. I didn't no, think I that did. the tone really allowed that to happen. Like I feel like the fact that it was such a dark subject matter kind of. Yeah, it was a dark comedy. Yeah. Yeah, but it's that's not the dark comedy type. in like a Edgar Wright kind of dark comedy. It's a dark comedy that's a dark subject with comedy injected into it. So I feel yeah. like it's a little bit like dark comedy is like, like I go right, like zombies in mid while they're slashing a zombie's head off. They're cracking mm. jokes. Like, no, I think Edgar, I think Edgar Rice is like normal comedy. Yeah. Like it, in a horror setting. <laughs> yeah. Like dark comedy is taking dark subject matter and making light of it, which is exactly what this is. Yeah. For me, it was more like the dichotomy of it, right? So it was like the difference, the jarring difference between like the lighthearted moments that like bring you up and that <laughs> the actual like darkness that these topics are discussing. And it almost went with a lot of her feelings too, with how she was feeling, where it went from like, you know, like more lighthearted, where she was just like doing these things that basically. I don't really want to get too many words, but like mess with people, right? To just actually that vengeance and that tone difference between those was so such a large jump that it just really messed and kept you kind of like on your toes, like on the edge of my seat the whole time. Like what is going to happen? Because is it going to be like this funny, like part get lighthearted in it? Or is it going to like really go on more on this darkness that's going on? And I never knew really what to expect coming next in the next scene or whatever was going to happen 
where the story was going exactly. Yeah, it does kind of play out. I mean, they kind of set it up like, I mean, not a mystery. It's pretty obvious as what to happen, what happened to her friend. Um, But it is, you know, there's mysterious elements to it, I guess. And they, well, and you slowly, they slowly reveal what happened to her like over time and you, you pick up more pieces of the story as the, the movie goes on. Right. Which is, I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious or I knew in the beginning kind of what had happened, you know, a sexual crime that led to something happening. I guess it's a little spoiler. Right, so let's save it. But I guess just like who's all involved and in yeah, that is true. Yeah. You don't really yeah. know. Well, yeah, I guess you don't know the full extent of the story because there's more to it than just, a rape mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and how she uses that um you know a lot of that to her advantage and i liked how i the one question i have though is like what was her i guess that she doesn't have to have an objective but she in the beginning it, the events that that kick off like the events that play out don't kick off until she meets right her old friend from the same med school and so in the beginning, she's just going from guy to guy doing the same thing, trying to teach them a lesson, right? And it isn't until she sees him again that the larger plot unfolds. Exactly. Like, what is her, what is she trying, what is her goal in the beginning of the movie like? Well, it's exactly that. It's like she, her friend experienced that travesty, right? This, like, tragic event. And that just led her to where she is, right? Because it affected her very much as well. So she's just trying to basically teach a lesson and like go off and kind of be almost self-destructive, but also in a constructive way and try to make basically teach lessons to these people because everyone, like all these people think they're like good guys. They're like, she's always trying to go after the people who are good quotation, you know, quote, marks good guys and basically try to scare them straight because of what happened to her friend but then that everything gets thrust back into her life again and that's when she goes on the different tangent right I, I guess a better way of asking it is does she is it necessary the only reason that she tries to get to the bottom of what happened was because of that meeting or like because yes. it, it's I you don't find out was, until the end so i'm trying to remember back to the beginning that like she couldn't have why did why wasn't she trying to get do that same thing prior <laughs> but i'm oh, trying to I remember exactly what, what yeah you know because by the end of it you you well i don't think like this was like really a part of her plan like i don't think she was like always wanting to do this giant thing that she was doing it's like, yeah, everything yeah, affected just, and led to what she was doing. But like that huge thing wasn't her plan all along. I think it was just her way of trying to cope with the situation. And even though yeah. it didn't happen to her directly, uh, it still impacted her friend greatly as, as well as herself. Because she was the one that had to like, you know, be there for her friend and deal with the aftermath of it all. And it, this might be a bad example. I'm just... Um, failing to come up with a better one but it kind of gave me like a boondock saints vibe where like she's enacting these like acts of vengeance against you know wrongdoers Um, but I liked how it was handled in the movie because you at first you think 
she is going, you know, all the way. Um, but then as the course of the movie, uh, you kind of figure out that, you know, mm-hmm. well, I, I don't want to spoil anything really, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just liked how she was feel. putting all of her like, um, it's like suspects or whatever, um, in, in the shoes of, you know, a, a victim and see how they would react to it. I think it was just, yeah, her way of trying to, um, basically trying to teach all the bad people a lesson to put it simply. (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking too. Like it wasn't her intention to be like this, do this actual vengeance because again, it's more grounded, I guess, than that. That just happened as a byproduct of everything coming back into her life again. And then, then that's when that story started to happen. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I think is really cool about the movie is that it, at first you think it is this just like traditional revenge fantasy type movie, mm-hmm. um, but then as the course of the movie goes on, like reality just kind of sinks in more and more, and it's it's a different kind of revenge movie, and I think that's what I appreciate about it. Um, it seems like revenge yeah. movies kind of get a bad rap these days, and that's why I think people are trying to go in different directions with them because. You know, in the Tarantino era, revenge movies were like all the rage, but then they've kind of gotten a backlash now where like revenge isn't cool because that's not like the best way to cope with something. Right. And so now we're getting these like other takes on them. Like a, a, another example I would compare this movie to in a way is Mandy, uh, because there's a part halfway through Mandy where it becomes like a different movie, basically. And I wouldn't call Mandy a traditional revenge movie although you could view it as one um just my interpretation of it i don't think it is um just a straight up revenge movie even though it has like all the revenge tropes and i think this is very similar where it has a lot of the tropes but it is being very subversive and it Mm -hmm. is going for something more than just like a traditional revenge fantasy yeah it's like a lot of those things on a few like genres yeah and i like a lot of the things that it's going for or trying to say but Again, one thing is that Josh said it is, and I agree it is a little heavy-handed at some of those parts. And the other thing, yeah, it is it is trying to be or does balance a few different genres, and that's where I feel like tonally it kind of goes to some other places. And, um, like, you know, it, it kind of almost goes complete romance comedy at one point, and I get that what it's, it's trying to set up, you know, literally, I think, two scenes later or a scene later. Um, but just that, that shift tonally didn't fully work for me at least. I would Speaking say that of, did work for me, but I did love the, uh, the rom-com montage. Mm-hmm. That was pretty awesome. Me too. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I love that. Yeah. I think, I think she has, I think it just shows promise, but it didn't like for some reason click for me. It, it might take a rewatch to get there. I don't know, but a lot of the things just weren't falling into place it feels like but uh, like separate elements of it i loved um there's like yeah. another stylized moment in the bat at the bachelor party that yeah, i really like so good that yeah. was my favorite part honestly yeah <laughs> did you guys see a trailer before this uh, before no. watching it i don't watch nope. i don't watch any trailers, watch any trailers yeah. oh, okay cool because i feel like watching the trailer for this would have given a lot away yeah i feel like they probably would have tried to sell it um as a typical revenge film, I guess, or depending on what trailer you watch, right? If there's different right. cuts of it. Cause I've seen the screenshots or 
of her in her like outfit in the the final act, but I didn't know where that was going to take place or anything when I was actually watching the movie. Yeah. Uh, I, when we get into the ending, I want to go in, but I, I also feel like the, um, the ending was a little anticlimactic and it was a little, I felt like I saw it coming. And so it was kind of like, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't really work for me. I mean, I agree. That was the one thing where the one sticking point for me was, it was a little too convenient. I mean, if I, I take yeah, a step there back. Some conveniences. Yeah. But that especially felt like the most almost rushed to me compared to the rest of the movie. It was like, yeah, that was the worst part for me. Yeah, it almost felt like it was from a different movie, you know, like how it wrapped up and just yeah, so neatly almost. Yeah. Like I said, there's it's it's kind of it is very stylized and it's going for this um over the top kind of feeling but not totally it's also trying to be very grounded at the same time because a lot of the subject matter is important and it needs to be grounded and a lot of it is actually based on um the brock turner case at least i believe um even the title they said like in the case something about him or whatever and they said well you know they can't do that he's such a promising young man and so she took that and twisted (laughs) to promising young woman um, and then they use that almost exact same phrasing when the dean is talking and she says, you know, oh, I, I can't ruin, you know, those those their lives. I have to take their word for it. And it's the same same thing that happened in that case. Um, I do love that the movie basically like does the reverse or the flip of, you know, w- whatever they're trying to flip. And like that's one example. And then just like some of the scenes in the movie, um, like with like Alison Brie's character, for example, uh, the whole setup with her meeting has to do with like a, a flip per se um, with what happened with the event back in the day. And then like what you guys were referring to earlier with the, the dancing scene at the beginning where it's mm-hmm. like a flip of a traditional scene that we would see. Um, and then like the title you just mentioned, I didn't know that, but I think that's a pretty cool little note yeah. for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's like, constantly throughout it's just just constantly flipping your like expectation or Mm -hmm. you know whatever is the norm you're getting the opposite of it in this movie yeah because it's all about um perception which they it's again that same scene uh the dean's perception is flipped when it's her family and her daughter right and it's all that's what it's trying to constantly get through your head is that if you look at it from this perspective you will think differently so you know, it's important for those people to see and it's satisfying for us to see if, you know, I, I would hope a lot of people are already thinking this way, but um, I think that's kind of why she might have even chose this style too is because this type of movie would be appealing to, I'm not trying to say that they're <laughs> dumber or whatever, but those type of people uh, would be more say apt it, to watch this movie. It. <laughs> hey, it was appealing to me, Kyle. What are you trying to say? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, You're one yeah, of those. it's appealing to us too, but uh, it's trying to be, uh, you know, appeal to them for a different reason, I guess I would say. But yeah, um, I have just a couple things that aren't spoiler that I that I should, even technically. Um, I did like the music a lot and the, the song choices and yeah, how they... Um, like the classical form of like pop music. Too. Toxic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I know that's kind of a trend these days, but I thought that was a good rendition of it in this yeah. movie. Yeah, for this film, exactly. Um, I didn't think it looked 
very good though. I don't know if it was my viewing experience or uh, the projector or whatever, but a lot of it didn't seem in focus or, or as clear as like it should have for, you know. Well, maybe that was intentional, Kyle. I mean, some of the shots were just like, like just looked out of focus and... I the mean, some of it had was a lot of bokeh, like almost effect, especially on a top and bottom. Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it was fine, but I'm saying like it just didn't for something that is trying to go, you know, vibrant and colorful. It didn't like pop as much as even an old movie that I watched recently, uh, Paris, Texas, which we'll talk about. You know, it just didn't look as beautiful as that. And again, this could be all in the in how they you know the viewing experience and maybe if I watched it at home in 4k, it would be, it would be fine. But something I just kind of noticed. And then the other thing, the major thing was, this is what I definitely noticed being in theaters on a big screen was the framing of those shots, how it kind of got a little repetitive. And I like the stylized ones that we already talked about where they, you know, she does do more movement with the camera, but a lot of it is static when it goes from either like a lower left hand where the subject is lower left hand, lower right hand or dead center. And then there's usually a lot of negative mm. space above them. Like, did you notice how repetitive those were all the time? I did not. It wasn't egregious <laughs> to me anyway. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't really notice it. I it mean, might yeah, be harder to run a TV too, but in like in the theater, it's like such a big screen. It, right. It's something that actually right. stood out. And I, I probably wouldn't notice something like that usually. Faded either. I think it was pretty vibrant. Uh, mm, yeah, not the color itself, but like, just like the focus of it, like some, some, it was like not as, I guess just clean. Yeah. Or I like, wouldn't say like the, the filmmaking or the, the cinematography really wowed me in any way, but it was competent, I feel like. And, um, she is a first time director, so, mm -hmm. you know, maybe she'll get a better DP next time or something, but, um, yeah, maybe not the strongest suit. I think it's more so like the writing and just um, all the like themes and subtext she's putting into the movie. And yeah, I did for like sure. The performances. Uh, I mean, I think this movie is kind of difficult to manage the tone because she is going for so many different, um, like, there's so many different genres wrapped up into this movie. But um, I thought as a result of that, it was just really entertaining because we got yes. plenty yes. of comedy, we got some thrills. Um, there's some action not like a ton um but i did i did like the chemistry and some of the like the romance stuff between bo burnham and carrie mulligan and yeah it felt when really he good when he first went into the coffee shop and i i was like trying to picture them together i did i wasn't really <laughs> buying it but through the course of the movie i did actually get swept up into their relationship so I mean, I even loved like part of the realism. Obviously, like they were way too witty for like real people, but like the fact that like they were vibing so well out in each other, and then like he's like, "Oh, I live here," you know, and he like messed up. Right? Oh, thank you. I, that, oh my god, I wanted to make a note of that so bad, and I I didn't even remember it until right now. Go ahead, continue your thought. But I yeah. <laughs> big well, like I I thought about that and i was like well i mean like she really liked him but like she's always on edge right because like to her men are garbage basically and like she's been shown that many times and he's doing like everything right but also like he's a human right so he's gonna mess up and that so that was like him just doing something wrong and it didn't like 
have to go into the super far end of like rom-com of like they're apart and sad for like years and then eventually like meet up or something it was just like this small little thing where he messed up one thing but then it moved on past that and i just thought that made it more real almost honestly even though it was obviously stupid and cheesy like he knew where he was going right but again it was just added almost more realism to his character to me so that was that was like my one of probably this the scene that I had the biggest problem with because I I think she was like so upset and mad over that like even though yeah he like made a mistake I guess but that was their first date still and then he's he's yeah, she she he's thinks like, that he is different though and he proves right there that he kind of not. isn't and then she forgives him yeah. immediately the next day you know it just seemed like out of character after she's been doing this for how long like and then it kind of just she just boom goes back to him yeah and why him right i kind of read that scene the opposite way um and i Mm -hmm. i think you could read it both ways but i almost feel like she was kicking the can um like disappointed in herself for like always having the barrier up and um like sure he did do uh, like a you know sly maneuver by go in the path of his apartment but i still right. think it, she's like kind of annoyed that she can't get past this and like it's always kind of like a a game for her when she's dating um and so it like constantly is like fucking with her and when she tries to pursue a real relationship that's mm-hmm. hmm. yeah it's interesting oh, i like that yeah that's interesting point yeah perspective there. Yeah, cuz when I first I, saw it, I just viewed it as she was mad that he that he ended up being like every other guy just like everyone else. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, fair enough. Now, it was a weird scene though, tonally where when she kicked the can and it cut, I was confused to what they were trying to make of that <laughs> scene. So, I do think it probably could be read either way or mm-hmm. you know, maybe a combination mm-hmm. of both. <laughs> yeah. Um that's all I have for non-spoiler stuff. If uh, if you want to talk the ending, we can get into that. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, cool. So spoilers for Promising Young Woman starting now. If you haven't seen the movie, I think we all would recommend it. So definitely check it out and then tune back in. Um, all right, so where do you want to start? Give star ratings now or after the spoilers? After the spoilers. Okay. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> so the ending... Um, you want to start like where she, I guess where the relationship goes or what uh, specifically, what about the ending? I guess we could, yeah, I guess say the ending and then discuss it from there. Say what actually happens. Okay. So, um, just briefly, the story is that she, that her friend had been, uh, you know, raped while she was unconscious or too drunk to, to, um, to give consent uh, in medical school and she's you know that's why her friend uh, Cassie is doing these things to these guys to try to try to prove a point and uh, her friend ended up committing suicide turns out Bo Burnham was the one filming this video or there's a video of her actually getting raped the guy that she's with Bo Burnham filmed it and now uh, she is tracking oh, down I thought it was Joe who filmed it and oh well he was there uh, okay yeah, I don't know if he actually yeah, filmed he it. I think there, he was and just... he's like, "Hey, where, are you filming this?" He's like, "No, no, that's like fucked up." Okay, fair he enough. Was like laughing. He's like stuff, next yeah. to the camera guy, basically <laughs> yeah. watching it be yeah. filmed. Either way, 
yeah, and then she goes to the guy that did actually rape her because uh, he's set to be married and um, goes to the bachelor party to exact revenge on him. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the I did like the twist with it revealing that Bo Burnham was there. Um, I guess even though it's obvious that she's she's going to all these people that have been at the same medical school and he you know it's it's uh it's impl- it's revealed very early that he went to the same medical school and they were all in the same class it never even crossed my mind that he would have been involved in that so that i, I think that twist no. worked yeah. right there yeah and then the other part is that when he she so she leaves him um and you know there's there's no like open openness to forgiveness which is nice you know they don't they don't try to take that tropey route of him. He, you know, he even begs for forgiveness at one point and that, you know, that's not going to happen. And so she goes to the bachelor party to exact revenge on the guy that did the raping and he ends up killing Cassie by suffocating her. And then because of that, she sets, she releases the video online and he gets arrested, which is like, you know, just the neatness and how it ties up and, the way that it's planned out feels like, um, you know, like one of those old, I guess like mid two thousands mystery thriller movies kind of had that feeling to it. A born. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Something that was, yeah, the, I feel like there's a movie from the last few years that has a similar ending. Definitely. I'm trying to, I can't think of one that comes to mind though, but you know, it, it, it brings other movies to, uh, thoughts of other movies it instead felt cliche, of yeah. it didn't feel like the ending to this movie but also there was a point where you think again it's right before it's revealed that Bo Burnham was involved it, it feels like it was like ending you know where she goes to uh, Nina's mm-hmm. mom they have the conversation I'm like where's the movie gonna go from here I had no idea and then it it keeps going obviously and gets to the ending but well that's that's what I was saying where it, like always like it totally switched tones for me like and kept me on the edge right it's like okay where is this going i'm like oh okay she learned that you know not all guys are bad there's some people like she's learning to accept people better like with the lawyer you know and like she's like coming to terms that yeah nobody's perfect like bo made that or whatever is it ryan made that mistake about the apartment thing, but really he's not that bad of a person. Like he is a good person and it's turning into this like almost rom-com and she finally can find happiness and come in to terms with like coming, try to overcome all the thing, all the trauma that she's had as a face all this time. But <laughs> turns out no, and just totally takes a whole nother spin. Cause that would have been like the expected ending, right? But it wasn't the ending. It turned into something totally different. Josh, what did you want to say about the ending? I know you were yeah, holding well, your... Yeah, well, I want to lead up to the ending. Um, so I think that my biggest concern with this is that, I don't know, I've watched the movie 13 Reasons Why, and this is like, the whole movie is about an exact same scenario that came from that movie. So I feel like this was like a very high schooly kind of thing like they were going for but yet it was in like medical school so i'm like 
I don't know. And I felt like they were like trying to lean on the fact that they were like young, dumb kids. And they kept saying it like 107 times, like, oh, we were young and dumb. Well, because but she says that. She brings that up. Like, if I hear that one more fucking dime. (laughs) Yeah. Like that was in the Brock Turner case. They're like, oh, he was just, you know, he's dumb. You know, boys will be boys. Blah, blah, blah. It's like always that thing. That's always making excuses for it. But then that's why like that part with the dean was so powerful because it was like okay what if it's your daughter then like you know it's nothing you know whatever like that scene was so good because it's then you see the change when it's like oh oh yeah no it's not okay right <laughs> like there's this a belief that a lot of people have where they always disbelieve the victim you know innocent till proven guilty you always yeah you hear the stories where the one person lies about it right and then people are like well maybe they're lying we get these kind of the thing is most women don't lie about something like that like nine i would say like 99 percent would not lie about something like that because it most people who uh, or like go through that kind of ordeal of like being raped won't even speak up about it because they're afraid they won't be believed or i mean just coming out about something like that is hard it's embarrassing it's you're so weak it's so like demeaning just everything about it and coming to light is just more people knowing about this terrible thing and having to like face that head on right so i agree with everything you're saying but that has nothing to do with what i was saying (laughs) Uh, um, that was was, (laughs) um, i wasn't saying that i wasn't i wasn't saying that like like I'm giving them a pass You're a terrible at all. person. What I'm saying is it's been done so many times before and it just felt like a 13 reasons why season to me um the whole scenario. Um but well, I seen the ending show. Now you can skip it. It's very <laughs> I have. I mean, yeah, the first season's okay. First couple seasons and then it, yeah, it definitely falls off. But first season's really good. Anyway, um it just felt like, like I said, a little too high schooly for me. And I think that the ending kind of the way, like you, we always, we said it before, the conveniences that kind of happened, but also like, um, the whole like scheduled message. Oh uh, shit. Too convenient. Oh, wait, I think just, yeah, I'll try to go off on that real quick. Um, cause Josh is, I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, like the, I know what you're saying. There's, there is that aspect of like this. She just is a well, it's so well thought out. She's done this like a lot of times she, you know, she's put together these scenarios before and even in how the movie is laid out, right. It kind of goes to a point where it breaks up into chapters and it's, it's this, you get the uh, sense that it's a well thought out plan from the beginning, right? She has this four or five part plan as, as it's revealed and it's, you know, from the get go, this is just what she intended to happen, and she fully expected to end up where she ended up by the end. That's why she had this contingency, and she had all these things in place. And so there's there's an element where it's just like, yeah, she's just smart, and it's well thought out. And then there's the other aspect of it's a little convenient, but I think that, like, the ending is a little bit forgivable, you know, in that sense. I just yeah. got the sense that but, she had thought about it. No, the ending, like, I get the five part, but... She didn't know about the bachelor party. She didn't know that he was going to get married, and she didn't know even where it was. So that kind of 
defeats the fact that she had a well thought out plan because well, they she didn't knew know. he was getting married. Yeah, she saw it. No, on, she didn't. When yeah, she, she did on Friender. No, but she found out through Bob Burnham's character. So that's not like a chapter that was already there. She didn't even know about. But that, that was like early on. Yeah. I think she found yeah, out. Yeah, but that was already like she just the didn't find the location out. Right. Until she talked to Bo Burnham. Yes. Yeah. No, yes. because Bo Burnham said brought him up about Al whatever, Monroe, and he she didn't know he was even getting married until he told her that he, she, he was getting married. There's a scene where she's on Friender, and it that's shows after that she finds out through Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. That's when she kind of is making the so plan. I that, think is what. But that fifth yeah. that fifth part doesn't. Like you're saying, it's a well thought plan start to finish. That fifth scene had she not. Or the fifth act, had she not known that he was getting married and there was a bachelor party, it would have never happened. So that the fifth part isn't a well thought out plan because she had no idea that that the end game was going to be what yeah, it was. Because and correct me if I'm wrong, I think doesn't it do a shot of the notebook and there's parts one through four written, and then the fifth part is more of like. Oh, this was like a secret. Contingency plan. This was the contingency, and it just happened to be part five, which now you're seeing. So part five was yeah, never really like in the plan, but it's was like a backup or a contingency, like I said. Yeah, that's at least what I remember seeing. I thought I remembered seeing one through four. I don't remember seeing one through four. I remember the Allison Bree plan, the Madison plan. Yeah, but I don't remember any other chapters or parts uh, i i just she think that that before she went to a bachelor party because she knew it would be dangerous going there is what i figured so she's like okay i might like die hopefully not because she even says you know like if i'm dead or whatever well it's the conversation but, with bo burnham that brings up this whole the whole that sets in plan uh everything in motion is set from that conversation because she goes on to Friender that night on her computer and is like looking at these profiles and these people and stuff. And that's when she sees, you know, that he's engaged and all of these things that, you know, tie, bring her tire back to her past. And so I think that's when she starts putting well, the plan he, together. He knew she was getting, but like Bo Burnham character said that early on, he was like, Oh, remember Madison? And then she was like, Oh, and like Al's getting married. He got tattoo of it for his fiance that's so him or whatever yeah but i'm saying the He's that she hadn't started her she hadn't started her plan at that yeah. point it was after but he definitely knew that she was it was after she learned all the theory. information yeah so, right. but it wasn't yeah, part yeah. like one and two or one and two prior to that i don't think so like prior to us her finding out or once she found out that he was getting married, then the one through five started. That's what I think, or at least that's what I remember. But I can't, I, I can't like say for sure. Like early on, like before she knew. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. Well, it does go. It does take a stylistic approach to put the numbers on screen. Which I do have a question. I might have looked away for a second. I don't know, but one three four and five show up on screen i do not remember seeing a two and if two doesn't show up on screen it's really gonna piss me off two was the dean <laughs> yeah i know what it was but was what did was there a roman a pink yeah. roman numeral two on screen yes it, okay have to have yes. Been. <laughs> yeah you think that but 
I don't think they. Now would. you making me question it, but I'm <laughs> no, it almost I positive it was there. I don't think they that. that old past post. Uh, <laughs> I did not see it. I'm like 99 percent because I remember the one, and then I remember the three, and I, I do not remember seeing the two on screen ever. You have to rewatch. Remember. I'm definitely gonna spot check that when it comes out. I will be looking. Well, we, yeah. Jacob still has it, so he can look tonight on his voodoo. Oh, p- please let me scrub that. I need to, because that will affect my star rating. I'll just say <laughs> that like, I full star. Yeah, full star I, down. I just like that she died because it was somewhat unconventional. And honestly, yes. when you think about it, it doesn't really make sense that she would live through all of this i mean it just wouldn't i don't think it would be really satisfying as an ending because like she's like living out all of this like revenge through her friend but like at the end of a typical revenge movie it's usually the victim who like overcomes you know all this revenge and like is able to walk away from it but like she's like choosing to do this for her friend so i don't know it just seems kind of weird for her to like walk away as the the hero per se and i also there's another interpretation to this where maybe she set this all up on purpose where um like she wanted to die were loose basically on Mm -hmm. purpose and this Mm -hmm. was her only way to like fully bring justice and to like pin this guy for something because if she would have just done it the traditional way and like you know, tortured him and left, then like, what is the end result of that? It seemed like she almost had to do this in a way, um, in order for her to get what she wanted. But then on top of that, it's like, you know, maybe she didn't even want to live. So it like adds another wrinkle to that even, um, because she was having trouble finding, you know, like reasons to live. And then she finds this Bo Burnham guy who she like, falls in love with and then he ends up just being another shitty person and i feel like that's almost like the last straw the bri- that yeah, the pushes point. her mm-hmm. and maybe she did plan to die through all this because i i don't know and maybe she'd have a contingency plan but it just seems weird for him to break out of the cuffs and not that just be a convenient thing and then her mm-hmm. to set up like a backup plan no, I think you have to look at it that way because if you if you don't, it really doesn't make any sense because she would have had set this contingency plan. She would have, but she, then she would have put all of the work into making sure that every other guy is passed out, the handcuffs, like yeah, making sure that they're secure or whatever. And then it's like when she gets on top of him and she has a scalpel, what is her plan? You know, like what is she going to do? Is she actually going to kill this guy? She's, She's never hurt. Oh, no, she was going to write Nina, and Nina his all, name all over his all body. Over his body. Yeah. Right. But she's never hurt or harmed anybody before, you know, and it's like, what is her plan after? I don't know. It's just the, the way that those things, I think you ha- kind of have to view it as that way. Like that's what she wanted rather than what would have happened if she was successful or if you think she was successful. I did also want to point out that um, I really liked, I mean, it was very uncomfortable to watch, um, but I think it was deliberate. The The whole suffocation scene it lingers for yeah. a long time so but long. on top of that just the way he's positioned on her and just the way the camera is it almost is like as if they're trying to like point out that he's not thinking about the consequences of what he's doing which is exactly what happened so many years ago when he did what he did to nina mm-hmm. and so i just feel like it's sh- 
that scene is basically showing that he hasn't learned anything and he, he doesn't think, you know, before he acts. And he's almost like trying to like bury his past in that moment. But what he doesn't realize is that he's actually like fucking himself over by killing her. It's, it's almost like she baited him and mm-hmm. it was successful. Yeah. And the conversation immediately after that too that was actually didn't grow or, or change or anything. Yeah. And the, 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 like I said, the conversation immediately after is exactly like a conversation that would have been with two guys in college or whatever, after something like that happened and he sold him, you know, it's not your fault and yeah, that part all this so stuff. Funny. And like, they like hug. he's like, yeah, he's basically telling, you know, not, he's like, yeah, don't take any blame for it. And, they're so shitty, but yeah, how shitty they are is so, so funny. funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, they really was them also... to cast Schmitty at in <laughs> that role is just perfect. yeah. When he opened well, the door at the bachelor party, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> well, I saw his name in the credits, and I hadn't seen him yet, and I'm like, when the fuck is Max Greenfield showing up? I mean, I think it was also showing you just how stupid like the arguments are, like that pe- these people have, like for Brock Turner. For example, like, oh, you know, it's just blah, blah, blah. It's showing you, like, literally how stupid that argument is by showing how stupid that scene is. And, I mean, it's funny, but it's also, like, can be, like, a reflection of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it is, at that point, the tone has definitely kind of shifted a little bit. And you feel right. that. But it's, yeah, it's reflective of, of the people. Just how easy yeah, she... Yeah, like the excuses they make. Yeah. yeah. How easy it was for her to infiltrate the bachelor party and roofie them all it's and just no one like, know who she was so they all went to school with her <laughs> it's like oh yeah. no one's copping to it okay like all eight <laughs> yeah. percent of them that would work it. though because you could be oh, like yeah. if you don't <laughs> trust anybody it's like every single person would deny it but can you trust that like of course they would deny it yeah <laughs> all right anything else to say on promising young woman it's a banger Not ready to give my rating you might think that. All right. Well, let's uh, rate this out of five stars. What are we saying? I'm going to rate last. Okay. All right. I mean, am I going first here? Oh, sure. Wait, uh, you're not going to rate. Okay. I gave this a four and a half. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. I loved it. <laughs> I gave it a heavy 3.5. Oh, come on, Kyle. Come <laughs> it's on. a heavy. Yeah, at least bumped you up to a four mm, it all depends on the chapter two whether it was on screen or not oh my god so if you can confirm it it goes to a four yes <laughs> you said sure. a full star so all that right. means four and a half you're mm, right there with me no four maybe uh okay so josh yeah you can go last and then so that leaves me uh five stars no fucking way. Yes, thank you. No fucking way. I was like literally so close to five, but I almost gave it four and a half just because I want like that chance to watch it again so I can bump it up. You guys are fucked. Yeah, no. Um, I'm, I've been tiptoeing around either three or three and a half, and I think maybe go with I'm going to so, go, go with three. All right. Ouch. You're here first. <laughs> Best movie of 2021. <laughs> I, I mean, I told you this would have been literally probably number two of my movies of 2020. Oh my god! Well, it is oh, better than first cow. Shot. So. <laughs> it would have been number two. 
This one, even, yeah. You, I'm, okay, yeah. Opinions. I mean, you guys are entitled to <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's fine. We'll get into yeah. opinions later. <laughs> we'll get into opinions right now with our There's next no review. accounting for taste. Because <laughs> we're going to have some differing opinions here. Um, all right, great. Moving on to our next featured review, Pieces of a Woman. Uh, I don't have this ready. Hold on. Okay, Pieces of a Woman wow. is written. I actually did have it. Is written by. Uh, forgive my pronunciation. I think it's Kata Weber or Weber. Wow, wow. great job. Directed by Cornel Mandruxo. Uh, this stars Vanessa Kirby, Shia LaBeouf, Ellen Burst, Ellen Burstyn, uh, Eliza Schlesinger, Benny Safdie, uh, Molly Parker. And that's about it. Uh, plot synopsis reads: When a young wo- when a young mother's home birth ends in unfathomable tragedy, she begins a year-long odyssey of mourning that fractures relationships with loved ones. In this deeply personal story of a woman learning to live alongside her loss, let's take a listen to a clip. She has to pay for her incompetence. Is this about money? No. Is it is it about what what people think? It's about you. It's about you having to. I am facing this. I am facing it! I am facing this! Well, I don't think you are. We need... We need some justice here. No, you need. That is what you want. That is what you need. That is... That is your way. That is not my way. That is what you need! Alright, so what did you guys think of Pieces of a Woman? Who wants to start? I'm gonna acquiesce again because... Why not? You got yelled at last time. Yeah. <laughs> well, Travis, do you do you want to start or? Oh sure, I'll go again. Uh, I'll go first. Um, I haven't seen this director's previous movie, White mm-hmm. Dog. I do want to catch up with that. At White some God. Oh, You're mixing the God. the poster and the title. He just flipped. He's dyslexic a little bit. Should have fact checked that one. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, first 30 minutes or so, I thought this was going to be one of the best movies of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, was pretty blown away by the opening sequence, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the main birth sequence. But even before that, like the the opening shots with Shia at work, I just was really digging the uh, filmmaking and the cinematography. Um, mm-hmm. I would say overall, I did still enjoy the movie or thought it was really well done it is pretty depressing um Mm -hmm. i think um some of the the main highlights of the movie are the performances mainly vanessa kirby uh shia labeouf was solid ellen burson was good although i feel like she has like one or two scenes or um like lines that are just a little too showy or yeah she's really going for it yeah 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 um I did also really like there's somewhat of a reveal towards the end of the movie um, that I loved, but then I think the very end was too heavy handed. And I think there are a few moments where this movie is just too heavy handed. Um, And I do appreciate when a movie is actually, you know, I'd rather have a movie heavy handed than like not try at all. But I think part of the reason why it's heavy handed is because it's a foreign director working with in a like, you know, making an American language movie. 
Um, and I feel like sometimes that translation can get lost a bit and mm -hmm. he there's heavy handedness that gets created as a result. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, overall I did really like it. Um, thought it was effective. Mm -hmm. I'll go. Um, I loved pieces of a woman. I definitely agree. The first 30 minutes, I mean, everybody's talking about it. I didn't know anything about it until after watching it. Um, and I still thought that first 30 minutes was amazing. And I'm glad I didn't know that's what was happening until like, I realized it myself. Oh, this is like a very long shot. Okay. It's, this is a 20 minute long shot. No, this is a 30 minute long shot. And then the, the opening titles appear and it's super effective. And like you said, just the cinematography and the, um, the setting of Boston, um, even how they uh, do the the climate, I guess, at the time. I mean, yeah, it's just seasonal, but um, they use it to almost reflect emotion in some way. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's like very drab. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, that changes over time. But, um, yeah, some of that stuff. Oh, there is a there's one scene that really bothered me in terms of heavy-handedness, and we'll get into that. Um, but I didn't think it was that heavy-handed, actually, because there was – like things that kind of go, I feel like this avoided more like tropes and cliches. And I think it was because it was based on, if you don't know, this was actually based on what happened with them. The director and the writer are real, are real life partners and they had a similar scenario or something. They don't get into details with it, but something similar happened and they are kind of going off of that experience. And, um, I guess, just the way that they go about things and the way that those those emotions and relationships are explored felt new to me at least or from what you know I've seen like a lot of times other movies would handle the subject matter differently I feel like um, you can't admit it's not a little heavy handed though yeah. no there are parts but I'm saying <laughs> like Kyle, um, Kyle. <laughs> there are Kyle. things there are things uh, that they do say, to avoid hey, that I don't think it's heavy <laughs> Kyle no I think that this I tone said, the movie sets up for it so it like it's not heavy handed because no, the the is. vibe and the tone of it is heavy handed so I feel like the tone heavy. is a deep is a very deep and emotional and very um, tragic experience and I think that if you are heavy handed it lays itself into that kind of realm of <clears throat> what it's trying to convey. But I don't even think it was a heavy handed, but continue Kyle. What I guess what I'm saying is that there are parts that are heavy handed and we'll get into it. Like, like you said, a couple of Ellen Bernstein scenes. Uh, there's just a visual scene that they do that is super heavy handed at the there, very end. No, this is like kind of in the middle. Okay, so before that, I want to know yeah, that. before the that very end is very, yeah, well, yeah. very, very end. <laughs> the yeah. very end is bad. But Are you talking about the courtroom scene? The, no, 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 the like literal the last, the last shot. scene. Literal yeah. end, yeah. Um, the like apple. literally going to need... Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever, <laughs> I didn't even care about that. Yeah, there are on-the-nose things for sure. And um, it kind of just... I think I'm putting those hand-in-hand -hand with heavy-handedness. Anyway, but yeah. there's... What I'm saying, like, Vanessa Kirby's character specifically, like, she... <clears throat> in, instead of having her be, like, super outspoken and emotional she is kind of like this cold muted character and it just feels like something that 
this choice that, you know, it's showing how she would deal with it. You know, every person can't deal with these things the same. And it just felt a little bit different. And then like more of what you would expect, you know, from this story. Like if you hear this synopsis, you kind of expect it to play out a certain way. And I don't think it plays out in that way. Uh, (laughs) Well, Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it wasn't like it wasn't surprising, but it also wasn't like egregious. It felt it didn't feel like it was just a rehash of something I had already seen before. Right. Um, but there have been movies that have dealt with similar subject matter. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, I mean, uh, me or general thoughts. I mean, I, I'm ready to just go. Go ahead. So I was actually felt like this movie was very Oscar baity. Like it, I, I loved, again, I, it started out so strong for me, just like both of you guys too. And I loved it. That like long cuts, like, oh, so good. And it, it was beautiful throughout. I thought the cinematography was like great. And the acting I thought was good as well. But the story was weak. I thought it was tragic and devastating what happened in the beginning. But really, after that, I'm like, where is this going? And it was kind of boring, honestly, to me. Coming I, from the four and a half star of Promising Young Woman. <laughs> yeah. About a, well, you're just wrong. a story that's not deep at all that was on 13 Reasons Why. But it was uh, deep. We're talking it was about deep. pieces of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's I like gotta, the I story. Okay, what more did it have to say other than what it that happened in the first 30 minutes? Like, that was a tragedy. Yeah, it's like, explaining. It's exploring it's explaining what had happened the, after that. Like, yeah, yeah these, but what happened after that? Their their marriage literally falls apart. Like, like the relationship alert. with their mother. Yeah, but that's like so. These are all things that have been done before, and the even the like and the whole like court and law law thing and all that that was in like the lawsuit and stuff. I thought was like weak. Dude, I thought, I thought the yeah. courtroom stuff was actually pretty good because I it thought the spend... actual courtroom stuff was good, but I just thought the lawsuit in throughout. Like the main, like what it's mainly asking is like, what does it take to move on? Like you didn't think that was interesting how all these people thought or certain everybody in her life thought moving on, like they had a different definition of moving on and her definition of moving on was different. Like it's just, it's more of a personal story. And I guess you've seen, you've seen stories like this, but they're telling their story. Like she, her idea of moving on was not to to be vindictive <laughs> against this against this midwife. Yeah, but that's why I felt like that part was kind of the most cheesy part to me. Like the mom just being an, an a rich old lady trying to like do rich old lady things, and like I don't know. Like I loved her in her growth, but like everyone else felt so one note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. Did, wait, did everyone give initial impressions? <laughs> like, I don't know. I think Josh, Josh did Josh, yet. Yeah. And <laughs> agree with Kyle. Josh has. No, it. I have not yet. No. Okay. And I'm gonna more side with with the um with Kyle's uh, kind of review of this. Um, I felt that um just in terms of technicalities, um the score was amazing, which is by your boy Howard, Howard Shore. <laughs> yeah, uh, cinematography. Good. No, I mean, who did uh, technically everything was great. We, yeah, we mentioned it earlier. Uh, 
the cinematographer also did Mandy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which is beautiful. also he's a very oh, good. I didn't realize. Uh, very good oh, your opinion's changing now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, be- uh, beautifully shot. The <laughs> <laughs> Got the Mandy bump. bump. Um, and I think that I love the fact that you know you have all these different people trying to tell, trying to tell the the mom of the, the mom baby of that passed. Baby you know, that like how to deal with it and. In all reality, she just had to cope and learn how to deal with it in her own way. And she was very abrasive against everyone, like trying to tell her how to handle this certain situation. And at the end of the day, she basically threw up a middle finger up to everyone and said, this is how I'm going to deal with it. Yeah, this is me. She was great. This is me closing off, um, closing the chapter and moving on and, um, so I really like that. Um, the only, the actual only character I really have a problem with is Shia LaBeouf's character, um, and we'll, I'll get into more of that. But I don't think that his motivations were very like full fledged, and I think that his character was kind of he was the one note that you were. I think his yeah, character. I don't, was everyone I don't think he was note. given enough. He was too one dimensional. Yeah, and I think that Shia LaBeouf is like kind like of him. falling into this like. I mean, his career is basically done now, but prior to that, I feel like like toward the end of his career, he kind of fell into a Shia LaBeouf type character of like a, like a battered, like it was actually like Shia LaBeouf just acting as himself in different roles. And this yeah. fell definitely in that whole realm of toward the end of his career. And, um, so I feel like he was very, terribly. So yeah, yeah, he really fit that. I feel like he was very um, one-dimensional, and his, like I said, his motivations were kind of mm, iffy. But uh, oh, I think we just uh, lost me. I think, oh, there we go. Good. No, I was just saying. I think everyone else's characters were um, justified, um, and I didn't really have a problem with anyone else other than Shia LaBeouf's character, but. Overall, I think this movie was amazing, and it, yeah, Oscar Beatty, sure, um, but I feel like it was just done, honestly, pretty delicately considering the um, the subject matter. I think it was done in in like a good light. I mean, the first the first obvious um, scene was kind of dark, but I don't think that the darkness kind of Felt like led all the way through and I think that if it did that same darkness led all the way through I think it would have been too heavy handed I think it would have been too depressing but I think that the the tone shifted after um, the passing of the of the kid and then it kind of um, stayed pretty delicate in the the way it moved through a very tight subject so um I just I I really enjoyed this and I actually just changed the score up a little bit because I just reflected on it a little bit and oh um, snap it got I the had Mandy bump hours I had <laughs> no this was uh, the, I actually knew Mandy was I looked up yeah. the cinematographer and the original music um, during the film but um, yeah I thought it was very very good I I do have one complaint and I I can't believe Kyle didn't bring it up yet and all the timestamps I thought Kyle was gonna have a like nope, because it does it. It does attack. it good. Because it does, it does it correctly. Do it really well, but I that's think why it, when you do it good, yeah, you get credit. It was. I, do, I thought though. it was a little too yeah. numerous. Like it did it too much. But, but it's consistent but it, it and is consistent, right? And it's just. I mean, yeah, I guess 
And do you think that the I liked the how whole... they showed the the I liked how it was showing the the progress of the bridge because they never and go you, back to that yeah. like. And do you think that bridge was like her, like a metaphor for her kind of creating oh, that bridge yeah. of like getting <laughs> yeah, over? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely getting over it. I mean, That's for sure. That we're talking about. Yeah, there are things. So <laughs> let me just heavy-handed. let me just say two things. Two things. Building a bridge and getting over it. Yeah, Crimea River and building a bridge. Um. The two things, uh, the, uh, just about the characters, like, I don't think, yeah, Shia LaBeouf is kind of one note, sure, but he does have a little bit of evolution, a de-evolution, because he is, he is, uh, sober, and he is, a, all, by all accounts, a good husband, right, and this, this event breaks him and breaks them, and that's what it's trying to show, so it shows the de-evolution well. Every other character is kind of supposed to be one note, because they have, they all have their mindset and that's going against her right and it's supposed to be show her arc so as far as like characters this isn't some you know epic that's supposed to show four or five characters progressions and arcs through this it's all about it's her story and you know what she's facing and i don't really think it's supposed to show those other people so in terms of like just characters i had had no problem with them being one note or um you know, Shia LaBeouf's character even really. I didn't have a problem with him being one note. I just feel like Shia's character wasn't given a whole lot. Like I would say like maybe the last half of the movie. But again, I guess if you want to just say that, you know, the movie's more about her. So he take his character takes a back seat. Then I guess that makes sense. But they did go through the tragedy together. And I know the woman does bear the child, but like it's still his loss as well. So I still feel like he should get, you know, some sort of, I don't know. <laughs> you didn't like his uh, breakdowns, you know? I mean, he had a couple scenes where he was like crying. Like His final, like, exit or moment was kind of He's just, like, gone. Yeah. yeah, that was, I did think that was kind of weird. But and that was what I was talking I about, did, the rich old woman. Like, mm-hmm. There is a really subtle moment, like, his his last moment is very subtle. Um, it's kind of like a piece of imagery, I guess, um, that you could maybe miss. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. I think I do, but... Don't really yeah. want to... It's not really like a spoiler yeah. per se, but um, I'd rather not say it, I guess. I mean, I mean, I guess the whole um, angle of him leaving is technically a spoiler, so... I mean, it, it's not really yeah. true. True. <laughs> we totally. Um, oops. We just kind of said the whole de-evolution of his character without saying like, "Oh yeah. shit!" Like, and that he breaks <laughs> his he breaks his uh, sobriety too. That's a little bit. Um, good well, job, we get a good. It's a good place right here. I mean, we can say from now on spoilers for *Peace of a Woman*. A little mild spoilers prior, but I mean, the spoilers aren't that I, important, honestly. N- no, I mean, you know, like I said. I don't think you know exactly where it's going, but there is, I mean, we can get to the end with the courtroom and stuff. And I, I just go ahead and mention it now because I want to know exactly what you're, the imagery that you're talking about. It's oh, not the hat. He leaves his, yeah, yeah, no, oh, the hat. Is. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's, He's like, it's definitely not that, right? <laughs> Can't be something so stupid. That would be dumb. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Okay. I, I thought it might've been, but, um, yeah, I, I like that. And, she, you know, keeps it and Very wears cool. it at some point. <laughs> um, okay, the well, the heavy-handed imagery that I wanted to, my, my least favorite, just visual moment, the deflating of the ball, 
followed by the dishes and the dead plants all at one time. Yeah. yeah. Did you not want to barf? Like yeah. right as after that fight and like you know that's the that's the end of their them basically. And they show yeah. all of that stuff immediately after, like, just stacked on not top of each other. I'm like, so oh, my God. It's not as egregious as the final. Oh, <laughs> but, that was yeah, so, no, that was, was no. like, really bad. No, I, I, that, I, walking away, that was my least favorite part. Uh, so I think that my worst, most heavy-handed part was the bus scene where she's surrounded by kids and they're, they're getting the handprints on the windows and there's, like, a kid next to her. And I felt like they just kept showing, like, all these like kids and what what could have been and i feel like that was like kind of the but they do that they they do that they go to that imagery multiple times you know it doesn't feel like it's out of place because they do that multiple times in the movie she's always kind of looking at kids fondly like what would my you know this you know what would raising a child be like doesn't make it less like (laughs) heavy-handed well yeah but you're pointing out one scene when it happens multiple times i feel like right but that was like the scene that Really stood like, out stood out for me yeah. i guess the heavy-handed stuff for me was the the final shot of the apple tree was yes. a little too much <laughs> and a little too on the nose oh my god and i did yeah. love the reveal in the courtroom though when she says that her baby smelled like an apple like that yeah really affecting to me because it just filled in that hole of like all the apple i didn't make that connection until just i like, guess why why is the last shot so heavy-handed and egregious because if she gets into this she gets into this hobby because her baby smelled like an apple. She gets into sprouting. She just uh, wants to, you know, she has this curiosity and then it shows her, you know, uh, sprouting the, the apple seeds. It would make sense that over time she just sticks with the hobby and has an apple tree. And then, but okay. to end the movie on yeah. it, like it's some like grand thing. Like, oh, <laughs> it's the apple tree. Like, it's just there so it like, it's, it's just gross. Oh, it's a tree of life. I, I honestly, I when I saw the last scene, I was just like, uh, they, that, uh, it that, just no, took the apple like, thing one, is it, one step too far. <laughs> is it the final it shot or is it me. the fact that it hangs on that shot for the entire credits? <laughs> Which is it? Be um, honest. No, it's both. It's just the fact that they end the movie with that. Yeah. And yeah, she's it's that scene at her, all. Her new daughter's in the tree and takes a bite of it. Like it's just like Oh my it's, god. I don't know, it's too much. And the the other yeah. heavy handed scene, which is probably the most Oscar Beatty scene in the movie, is the like confrontation between Ellen Burstyn and Vanessa Kirby when they like mm-hmm. are all over for dinner. Yeah. And she has that long speech about like basically like how she would <laughs> do things differently and she's yes. you know yeah, she's, she's like, when I was like, a kid, I was starved and barely kept alive. That shit was so corny. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Could, yeah. I, I, there's definitely <laughs> there's definitely a different way to approach it and deliver it, but, you know, it's... But, again, I forgive some of that stuff for him just being a foreign director. Yeah. Yeah. My problem was that I think she was, I think she was referencing the Holocaust or something, but I, you have no idea what she is. Like, I don't even have like a British accent though. Well, yeah, they (laughs) never, they never make a connection as to like what her heritage is. So I'm like, I think she's talking about the Holocaust, but I honestly don't know. But to bring the Holocaust into an already really depressing movie that is completely unrelated to the Holocaust is BS. (laughs) Yeah. It's cheap. Yeah. I guess she just needed, she needed a reason to be so, uh, stuck oh. in her ways and behind what she is, what her belief no, is to Vanessa doesn't. Kirby. That's but the that thing. was just the nail in the coffin. We already felt yeah. it, but 
once that yeah, scene exactly. happened, it was like, that hurt oh, it. okay. So, so you think her? You think her just being just that way yes. unnaturally? Like you think she should have just had yeah. no motivation for saying what she was saying? Well, because like I think it from this way, like if that oh, happened, you're saying to that's me, what pushed like, Vanessa Kirby to make her decision. No, I'm saying no. Ellen Bernstein wanted. She was like dead set on getting a yeah. uh, compensation or revenge on this midwife yeah. when it's like it was a mistake. You know, it could have happened to anybody. It was just a small thing. Like she did everything that she was supposed to do. Why is she? Why is there this witch hunt for? Her? She's so for it. Like honestly, I did think there was some weird cult angle, like <laughs> for the midwife. And I was like, where is this going? Yeah, that's what I was talking about. The whole lawsuit thing in general was just so weak to me. I, one thing that like spoke to me, like more like on a personal level that maybe didn't reach as much was like the doctor and or the midwife in -hmm. general, like, especially during that first 30 minutes after she was like worried about the baby and she likes looking in the mirror and like, like, like lets out a sigh of relief because the baby's like, okay, Mm -hmm. like right before it's not okay. Like that, like hit me, especially like when I was working in like uh, cancer and palliative care, like that kind of, I mean, like from a medical perspective, you're always trying, you know, we take an oath, right? The Hippocratic oath, right? Do no harm. And there's a lot of times when those kind of things just have people die. Like I had multiple patients die during that time and but like the ones who survive, you get that like calm relief. It's like, oh, I remember like specifically, for example, because you're always trying to do your best. Like I had a patient one time who had uh, leukemia at one time and got a transplant. So like he was good for like years. And then uh, all of a sudden his white blood cell count, which is like, you know, your immunity, right? It dropped to zero he was at zero he had no white blood cells nothing to fight off infections so he could get any infection and i was monitoring his levels every day you know talking to him every day his family every day and then one day his levels were going up and i was so happy you know it's just like a sigh of relief yes we're doing it you know we're doing a good job turned out the white blood cells were going up because the leukemia cells were back and so you know the infected cancer white blood cells were back and his leukemia was back and then he died like a week later. So like I like could resonate with that scene so well, like that sigh of relief to that darkness that happened afterwards. And like, yeah, you could look like, oh, we fucked up. Like I fucked up as a, you know, a provider that I didn't do something right to make this person survive. And now like the family is like thinking like we failed. Right. And like the whole core scene with like, the doctor is just our midwife. She's like sad and like, you know, like, cause she actually did care, but now everyone's like fighting against her. So like, that's why like that, those parts, especially like spoke very strongly to me. I just want to point that out. <laughs> yeah. And that stuff was in the, right in the, in the beginning, right. Which we all yeah, in the beginning, kind of agree and on. Even in a courtroom when like the patient was like, you know, it's not her fault. She wanted a healthy baby. Right. Right. It's yeah. like, it, I mean, we wanted him to survive. Yeah, I mean, why would her? What would her motivation for you know, you know, not try not trying to? Uh, I mean, you could just have a healthy not care, baby, right? Like, yeah, negligence for sure. I guess yeah, that's what kind of what like they a fight lot of those for. Things like exactly, and there's like a lot of times it's like, yeah, maybe I could have done something differently, but like 
I've dealt with all these things, like a lot of things in medicine, hundreds of times or, you know, dozens of times, even as a student. And it just always turns out right. And this time it didn't. And like, I remember like not being able to sleep for a week because like, oh, like what could I have done differently, you know? And then like people just think you're a fuck up or like you messed something up or you could have done more. But like that when she's like, no, she just wanted a healthy baby like that. Like, ooh, that hit me especially. Um, let me see. We all just want a healthy baby. Yeah. <laughs> just want, I, I'm just trying to keep you alive and you have no idea how much they fight you for trying to do that <laughs> like i'm just trying to make you alive we haven't mentioned benny safty yet yeah he uh a little bit of a small role but um i mean uh, he obviously wasn't given too much to do in this small role but loved him just loved seeing him uh you know not be abused <laughs> well i'm talking about good time <laughs> mentally challenged and abused <laughs> just want to see him in a clean cut job <laughs> No, yeah, other side of the camera. Wonder how he, how he was cast in this, or why he, why he chose to. Maybe that's maybe this is a safety bump. You know, he he probably saw something in this in this script in this premise, and he's like, I got to be involved. I don't know. It's a New York movie. Scorsese produced it, so maybe. Oh yeah, we didn't mention that either. Martin Scorsese produced. There's a Scorsese bump too somewhere around here. Man. It's like one and a half. I mean, it's pushing. It's pushing a lot. I mean, even without that stuff. I mean, take all that away. Howard yeah, Shore. Take the name Howard Shore names, out. Yeah. Benjamin Loeb. Take it out. No, Martin Scorsese. But if you watch it without that, I mean, obviously you guys got something different. But just no, I, I was it worked. To no, no. The, um, we watched the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. No, no, no. Yeah, it was definitely there. No, I was wa- I was watching the score or listening to the score, and I was like, "Wow, this is a really good score." And then I looked it up, and it was Howard Shore. So Sorry, I didn't yeah. look it up knowing it was Howard Shore, and then said, "Oh, wow, this is a good score." Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I did like the music. Um, you know, pretty early on, and and I knew I, Kyle would like the music too. Uh, I was yeah, like, yeah. Kyle's gonna love this score. It's or a like banger, the score at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't have too much else to say. I just, I just think that it worked. The things in this movie worked for me more than, you know, like the, the, you could say over, you could say heavy handed Oscar Beatty, which might be it's more, might be it's style. Whereas like over the top and heavy handed stuff and promising young woman didn't work for me. The, the subtle Oscar Beatty heavy handed stuff. Heavy handed. I'd call it. There was not. Cleverness. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This, see, it's like Promising Young Woman feels (laughs) written, whereas this feels like more based off of probably what had happened or something that could happen, right? I mean, obviously, Promising Young Woman, that would never happen, something like that. But this definitely feels Yeah, exactly why this is... Yes, it does feel heightened. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree, but it feels everybody takes heightened in a realistic life, heightened in a realistic sense at least to me. I mean, they're two different. They're going for two different things. Exactly, two different genres. That's what I was saying though. Is yeah. the the things that this is going for worked for me, whereas the things that Promising Woman was going for didn't work as much I mean, for me. We're looking at like think about another yeah, Oscar baby okay. movie yeah. that we all loved, and that's Marriage Being Story. Home. I mean, that oh. whole movie <laughs> is. No. Very Oscar Beatty. Are you kidding no. me? No, no. 
come on. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say no, marriage story is Oscar I would. Baby. No. Oh, wow. what? Okay, oh, we have to do, we have to get rid of this term yeah, Oscar Beatty. Like, let's define you guys, Oscar Beatty then. <laughs> Beanpole is Oscar Beatty. Marriage Story isn't. Wait, I didn't pieces say of a woman anything in. about. Uh, uh, I did. About, I yeah, did. Travis did. Travis did. Yeah. Off off oh. air conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah, it's just is like to me, I don't know. I never think of like. Oscar Beatty very rarely comes to mind. Like you look at something like Green Book as being Oscar Beatty because it's like so it wants to touch on those things that, uh, you know, like the Os- like the Academy is looking for, right? Like a feel good story about like racial tension and, you know, every- and all these things. And it's, you know, somewhat well made or whatever, but it's appealing to everybody. This you think this movie appeals to everybody or would appeal to the academy? I mean, we haven't even talked about well, the scene, I the think, most uncomfortable scene in the movie, no. which I thought was very, uh, was sort of impactful or you know, the whole the first thir- like thirty well, no the the, the half like rape consensual sex scene. Oh, like he's oh, like I mean, basically forcing like her into that. it, and I mean. You kind of get the sense that she wants to, but that she doesn't want to. No, no, it doesn't. But you didn't, you didn't watch that and like just feel gross and uncomfortable. No, I did. I definitely. No, okay, that's what I'm saying. Is it was effective? Effective. That's what I was. That's the word I was looking for. But I felt this was Oscar baby because yeah. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just. I mean, I'm saying like. This is a hard topic that everybody already knows is a difficult thing to go through. I feel like this is everyone's like, oh, yeah, like having your uh, miscarriage is like fine. It's like obviously that's a devastating thing that happens. But like what did it do after that? Like everyone already knows that's a difficult thing. And that's like it's such an easy thing. Like, oh, this is difficult. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's difficult. And it's about women. Boom. But like, you're saying the movie is trying to well. you're saying the movie's purpose is to relay the fact that a miscarriage or a stillborn or whatever the death of your baby is difficult. That's not the purpose of the movie. The purpose is to tell the story after that and what happens to their relationships. You're literally your same argument no, could be made, could I'm be saying, pasted into Promising Young Woman. Everybody knows no. that rape is bad and these things are bad, but why do you yeah, like that movie yeah. so much more? Because it does it way in a different, like, this is, like, an obvious way. It's, like, obvious. Do you think afterwards it's fine for people? Do you think no. everyone <laughs> takes revenge on eight dudes and tries to kill one of them? No, like, exactly. It's unexpected. <laughs> this is, like, exa- this is exact. I know it's already going to be difficult. Like, I know it's hard, and it doesn't do anything more to, like, elevate any other character. Like, I know it's a hard journey already. And we see a hard journey, but it doesn't do anything else other than that. Yeah, but the, the main thing the movie's trying to go for is, like, her d- her and, I guess, the surrounding characters dealing with grief. And then, like, her decisions based on the trial. Like, that's basically the... the yeah, her decisions how to overcome that grief. Like, um, But where I think it's, like, heavy-handed or Oscar Beatty is in like some of the performances or like some of the exposition or even some of like the, the symbolism, like that stuff is, yeah, it's going for this emo, this overly like emotional, like, um, feel to like give importance to it. Cause that's like, that's the type of movie that the, the Academy like is looking for. It's usually like a feel good movie of some sort or it's like a sad, depressing movie 
that is like important and this this checks all those boxes of being yeah. an important depressing movie um so that's where i think it's heavy-handed but like just because i say it's heavy-handed doesn't i'm not trying to say it's bad or like didn't do anything well not it's at just all yeah that there's it's a few really things good. where they take it too far where it like brings attention to itself um and if you were a little bit more subtle or just like rein some of that stuff back, you might even be more effective because you're not bringing as much attention to it. No, yeah. I agree with those same points. Like, was like, like I said, there's visual things yes. that I didn't like, like that one scene in particular um, and a couple others, like you said, performances. But I, I guess just the yeah. in terms of like the arcs and the characters and a lot of other things, how they deal with emotion and how they portray that worked more i guess than i think where at least jacob's at for sure where maybe where you're no, at for her but not for like anyone else i don't think it's about anybody else so it doesn't matter to me i think the the whole your whole review or feeling of this movie depends on like how nitpicky you are with the heavy-handedness and then mm -hmm. also like just how effective were the affecting moments right yeah yeah, I mean, I will say, like, walking out of it, I didn't feel, you know, I didn't have, like, this epiphany or, like, in very, like, those moments that they were going for. I guess I didn't feel that impact. Um, so that's, you know, why, like, if, if you were, like, super affected by this movie, you know, I could see, you know, people giving it that five-star praise. But, like, I just think it was really well made. Yeah. And really well done, and I liked a lot of the elements. But like, so do you that's where watch I watch this again. Like, can you get more out of this than what you already got the first time? Can't tell you until I rewatch it. So yeah, see, I will when, say when, maybe. When I start rate and make top ten lists, I go off of like entertainment factor, rewatchability, and yeah. all the other things that make a great movie. But like, the, the two first things I named were like are like added bonuses. This movie is a it's a very like solid drama but beyond that like not much rewatchability yeah. cuz i it's depressing and it just covers like a topic that i even though it's important i'm not going to just like be going back to it over and over mm -hmm. um yeah. and you know depressing movies are kind of tough cuz you usually only want to watch them once you know maybe twice yeah. um so yeah, but again, though, I don't think it's it's perfect, even if you just watch it once, because there is those aspects to it that right. bring it down. But and I feel like there's nothing more I can get out of the movie from so the one watch. Is that is that bad though? So does every movie need to be have rewatchability? Like if if a movie <laughs> we, yeah we less, talked about this a little bit. No. <laughs> so <laughs> no. like, but what I'm saying is like if a movie is effective in its first watch, why should it have to be like an asterisk to be like oh. Maybe I'll watch it again and it'll go up or down. Like not every movie needs to have an element of like, oh, maybe I'll get something more. If well, I for me it. to be a five star like, movie, yes, it does. No, I mean, Lord of the Rings, you didn't get more out of it the second time you watched it. Yes, I did. You read the books. You knew what was happening. And if you watched the movie the first time, you knew what happened. Doesn't take away from its greatness. Doesn't take away from the watchability. But I didn't but get more the second time I watched Lord of the Rings versus the first time. But there's issues with the movie beyond correct right right i'm just saying in terms of rewatching on top like, of that it just isn't a like subject or style that i'm overly interested in like mm -hmm. this is kind of a one and done type movie yeah um kind of like beanpole like beanpole i would say i'd have 
very similar things to say about Beanpole. And not to say it's a bad movie, I I thought it was really good, but like the thought of going back to Beanpole doesn't interest me. Where like going back to like Good Time, Promising Young Woman, uh, Tenet, like there's, I don't know, the countless movies. Like those movies actually like sound exciting to go back to. Mm-hmm. This one does not. Yeah, we yeah. talked about it a little bit how like I, I can't remember anything negative that I had to say about Beanpole. But it's just that feeling kind of that you have after finishing it. Like, do I, am I absolutely 100% in love with it? I mean, yeah, I probably am not excited to rewatch it either. I just watched it last year. So maybe that's not why, maybe it's why it's not a five. But if I, those movies, you know, in five years time, I'll forget so many elements about them that I will want to rewatch them. It's not a endlessly rewatchable movie, but again, I think, there's just we strike a balance between a lot of different things for ratings you know like favorites you know we say these we don't think these are the best most well-made movies because we're not you know critics that studied film or anything um we just kind of go off of what we like and what we see and what's what is our favorite so there's a lot of personal bias to it but to have a five star like i think i could give a movie a five star that i isn't endlessly rewatchable but i would revisit and that's Beanpole. I don't yeah. think I could. No. I, honestly, your number one star movie, movie for me, I would want to watch again. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I would want to watch it. Um, do play best on a first time watch. Like Get Out, for example, would be a perfect example of a movie that mm-hmm. you're never going to get the same like watch or satisfaction from watching it yeah. as in the first time because you don't right. know the story. And once I always part, said that, yeah, that part's spoiled. <laughs> Um, it, you, you, it, the movie loses some of its magic and you can go back to it and you can think it's great and you can enjoy it for what it is but like you'll never have that element of surprise that like made that first watch so special and I would never discredit a movie f- um, that is you know playing with that like I would say like I mean it's mostly genre movies like Signs is another example or like even like Cloverfield those movies you'd want to watch for the first time and that that is how you'd kind of want to base your your judgment of it is off the first time watch. But I also feel like those movies that you were like listing, I would be excited to like show other people, like to see their reaction to right that seeing that for the first time. Whereas this, I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know if I really like. Hey, you should watch this and be depressed the whole time. And yeah, <laughs> you're not watching this for the reveals <laughs> yeah. and like the. Yeah. You're more so just watching it for the performance, right? And just the. Right. I guess the yeah. I mean, we're talking about <laughs> entertainment factor. Like, if you ha- if there's has a high entertainment factor, that's you're more likely to want to show it to other people. And yeah. there's movies that don't have that, but those movies also. I think there's probably a handful that I've given five stars to that I don't think has that entertainment factor. Like, you know, I mean, a movie that we're gonna bring up uh, that I'm gonna bring up in a little bit. You know, Paris, Texas. Like, would I want to show anybody younger than me? that movie that doesn't, you know, love yes. cinema Start already. Young. Young, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yes, I would want Kyle. to, but yeah, I would, would, would I like watch it and like look at their face the whole time and be like, yeah, are they going have this reaction? You know, it's not like so that. You explain it to if, them. You're like, wait, 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 you didn't have the right reaction there. One second. Let me <laughs> but I'm saying you can make the same argument for if you, I'll, if you had a connection uh, with this movie. Let me rewind that really quick and re-show you. If you had you a connection out. with this movie or, or Beanpole or whatever it is, you could make the same argument. That's what I'm saying is, 
uh, we're just circling around that star ratings are subjective. That's literally <laughs> yeah. what we're just getting Art is subjective. to. So People I, like we haven't even been Pollock talking about pieces of a woman anymore. <laughs> and Pollock is just a bunch of fucking splattered paint. Real, yeah, real quick before we move canvas. on. Yeah. Um, another example of this is that, um, so I loved Mandy and I brought it over to Matt's house to watch on his birthday with, <laughs> with Tom, mm-hmm. Tom, Matt and Matt's girlfriend all hated the movie. <laughs> and I sat there hoping <laughs> you were so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're. It's like when you show people a YouTube video, you're like, this is going to be great, guys. Watch this. And no reaction. And then after the movie, everyone said they hated it. And I just felt bad and felt like I ruined Matt's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I had like a like a spiritual revelation watching Annihilation at the ending of it. And I show that movie to people all the time. And I'm like, hope I'm like expecting this. Like their jaw to be on the floor by the end, and it just doesn't happen. All right, so that is a movie I need to rewatch because honestly, yeah, cause I liked it. Definitely, did I liked not it quite a bit, movie. but the ending I thought was actually pretty bad. Wow, no, the ending you're is fucked. Awesome, yeah, the ending is incredible. I have to rewatch it. Like I was just definitely like, give it a go. I watched it in theaters for the first time too. That like played. I think that played a huge part. No, that I was movie was amazing in theaters. Like maybe that's what hurt me so bad because like I was waiting to watch that movie for. W- Waiting, just waiting, <laughs> waiting, waiting, and then find and it was in Netflix in other countries, like yep. for so long, and I couldn't find it anywhere, and then finally got to see it, and I I think that really tainted it for me. I still loved it though. Yeah, definitely need to give it another go. Oh, I have it in Jacob. We need to. Well, we're gonna watch Mother in 4K, but another 4K movie. I, we need to. I have Annihilation in 4K. I have Parasite in 4K now too. So. Well, we'll be over at your apartment a lot. Come on. Um. Okay. We. Yeah. We've been um, dancing around it now. Uh. Anything else? To say on pieces of woman. No. I, I just had to do one little. Let's uh, move All right. On. Make it quick. No. Little. Really quick. Uh. The entire. Um. Scene. The burst scene that we're talking about. The 30 minute scene was in one take. Yes. Was, I thought that was yeah, really yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, like not not hidden cuts. No, it was yeah. one take. When no, I watched it, I'm like, this is either hidden amazingly. No, well, it wasn't it wasn't on the take. first one. Are you sure? I think uh, what I read is it was done over two days in six takes. Okay. That's what I read. I still um, get off on long takes. Oh yeah. Have you too. oh we every talk time every time every time we bring it up on the show, I have to ask, have you ever seen Victoria? I have seen it and it, Oh, did you like it? It's cool, but um, don't you think it's better? D- literally, by the fact that it is one take with no hidden cuts, it is one take, two right, hours. Yes. That yeah. is incredible. Uh, I just that movie always reminds me of when Tom said it's that's a better version of Good Time. And I just can't. <laughs> oh, you're so hurt by that. You need. Oh well, man, I, mean, I, I want to watch that. Because you're fucked, I didn't, bud. I didn't think Good Time was that good. Oh man! You need to watch Victoria then. I love Good Time. If it's a better version of Good Time, then absolutely. No, it's not better than Good Time, but I do like it a lot. Okay, star ratings for Pieces of Woman. What are we saying out of five stars? Should I? I guess I went. Sure. No, I did not go for it. But I'll say it. Whatever. (laughs) I gave it a three point five. Barf. I'll go. I gave it a four point five. Look, we're apart again. <laughs> I know. Opposites. One movies. star. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll give my star rating uh, four stars. I also gave it a four star. All right. All pretty close. Jacob, you're fucked. You're dead to me. 
Um, <laughs> Half a star between your two dog water. You have zero <laughs> <just> earnings. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to what else we have been watching. Who wants to start? I mean, honestly, there's only one I want to talk about that I watch. I mean, I watch a couple, but there's really one I just want to point out there because we haven't talked about it at all. Okay. And I don't think it's one that maybe anyone else here has seen. So. Okay. And that is called The Call. The Call. And I don't know. Did any of you guys see The Caller? And I don't know. Did any of you guys? No. No. The call. Oh, it's, like it's a, horror a foreign. Movie came out a while back. Okay, horror foreign no, horror movie. Yeah, this one is. So this one is directed. Yeah, this is a Korean horror movie by Lee Chung Hyun, and it has a very kind of similar concept to a movie that I also liked from quite a while ago called The Caller, and that basically, I guess I could read what this says connected by phone in the same home but 20 years apart a serial killer puts another woman's past and life on the line to change her own fate so it's like a person in present time is able to talk on the phone to someone who's like in the past so the person in the past can affect the future yeah lake house and tenant so you watch tenant a better tenant oh shut your mouth actually so but <laughs> so it's kind of interesting right because this person in the past is kind of mentally unstable her mom is like crazy and treats her like a witch and then the person in the future is just kind of a regular person and around our age so she's like she's like 28 i think she is it says 28, 28. actually oh yeah okay <laughs> so like the person in the past can affect the future so like the person who's in the present now her father died in the past because of like let's a uh, house fire well the girl they become friends because they're talking to each other all the time and so the girl in the past like what if i can save your father she's like what like do it so she does she goes like and warns them when the house catches fire her father survives and it changes the present person's entire like everything her life is completely different her father lived so now her life totally took a different direction so now she wakes up and everything's different from how her present was before because now her father's alive and then like this like turns over time because now that her life's different right she's kind of not leaning on this person in the past anymore so she starts neglecting her and the person in the past does have like these mental instabilities and becomes kind of resentful of this person in the future she's like i helped you now i changed your entire life and now you won't even give me the time of the day so she can affect her in the future so maybe she kills like threatens to kill her father this time which can change her entire reality again so like how does the person in the present affect this person who's in the past who's trying to like mess with her present now and it's just like this whole like craziness of like time bending and everything if you love tenant and all that it's like super interesting because there's like ways that the person in the future figures out how to like mess with this person in the past now it's not it also looks really good i mean it's hard to judge acting for me a lot of times when it's in another language so but it seemed pretty decent 
a lot, but there is so many conveniences in this movie, of course, with that kind of time bending thing. It's not as well thought out as like a tenant, for example, where like everything is so detailed. But yeah, I super enjoyed it because I already loved this concept that was in the collar, which this must have been inspired by. And it's shot well, like so well. And just every, all that like mind bendingness, it's really hard to follow, but it's like interesting. And this is, I guess, a movie that won't have as nearly as much impact the next time you watch it, but it was super entertaining. I would love to like introduce more people to it. Is it top 10 worthy? <laughs> Hell no. Oh, no. Okay. Travis no, needs to know. I you mean, can get two, three more in. He needs top 10 material. I mean, maybe for some people, but no, I would no. say it's not a top 10 movie, but okay. it is super enjoyable. Hmm. Interesting. And All it's right. on Netflix, so. Yeah, I saw that. It looks like a yeah. Netflix possibly original, or at least bought by Netflix. Well, apparently they put like billions of dollars into Korean content, so... There you go. Perfect for you, Jacob. Um, yeah. <laughs> Travis, you want to go? I know you're in the middle of a cram jam right now. You're recording your top 10 uh, tomorrow. So anything you want to talk about? Um, let's see. Uh, I'll start with The Nest. Did you guys catch up with that one yet? No, you mentioned it. and That's with Jude Law or whatever? Yeah, mm-hmm. have not have not watched nope. yet. I think one of your, I think the guy on oh Cinema Brad, put yep, it in a he game. wanted to watch it, yeah, or he did watch it and liked it. So mm-hmm. I think him and I saw different movies. <laughs> um. Well, <laughs> yeah, the user, the user, and the critic score on this is pretty far apart. Um, so yeah, what was your I'm, take? I don't know. Th- there's nothing really wrong with the movie. I just don't really see its greatness. Um, <laughs> it's just a it just seemed like a very typical like family drama that kind of starts to sour and mm-hmm. you get to just experience the the results or aftermath of all that. Um, but I don't think it really did anything new. I think you really just watch it for the performances, but like nothing really surprised me. There's a couple elements where they try and like almost make it as if it's like a horror movie or there's, there's like some sort of like presence or something happening at the house um or you know wherever they live but i don't know i was just kind of underwhelmed by it i didn't really think it was that special and um uh, i really liked martha marcy may marlene so i was kind of excited for this one um but i mean it was solid i just don't think it's like best of the year material Uh, unless you're maybe like really into performances then you might get a lot out of it yeah. Yeah, I wonder what uh what he saw as well as it's pretty highly critically <laughs> rated. I mean this is a uh shit, what movie were we just talking about? Sorry we missed you. Is this a sorry we missed you scenario? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I mean it would fall in the same kind of ballpark star rating. Right. <laughs> well cool. It's on my list. It's uh not not on my uh, priority, though. Not high up on the priorities. It's also not accessible right now. You have to pay to rent it Oof. digitally. High? 20 No, it's like 7 bucks, okay. I think. Or maybe $5. Somewhere in that range. 
cool. All right. Um, so I've been mentioning it all show. Actually, I'm going to say my, give my one word review here or one sentence review here. Cracked open, uh, Choco Vesa. Like, good. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that would be it. Uh, I really like this. Of course, it's right up my alley. It's an Imperial stout inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. So it's got chocolate coffee, pasilla peppers, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. But man, is it delicious. It's like a nutmeg. <laughs> it says on there. Yeah. Nutmeg. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But you said Mexican flavors. <laughs> inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. Yeah. Well, it's on the can. What do you want? Take it up with stone, Jacob. No, I, I didn't write the. I didn't write it. Jesus. Your exo. Exo vesa. I said it right. Chaco. Chaco vesa. Yeah, yeah, All right. You did. Thank you. Chaco okay. Vesa. Now the movie that we have been talking about, or I've been talking about, all show, Paris, Texas. This is a first time watch. Uh, recommended by Travis as being one of his all time favorites in terms of film. And uh, I blind bought this uh, actually at uh, the Criterion, the Barnes and Noble Criterion sale. Um, when was it? First Six months all, ago. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you regret your purchase? Oh no, definitely not. I'm I'm glad that I I'm glad this was the first Criterion movie. This was the first Criterion disc I've ever watched, and I'm glad it was this movie. Um, because yeah, the cinematography 100% stands above everything else as. Like the pin, like this is the best part aspect of this movie. There was literally like the opening part, the parts in the beginning. I was like, is it looks so clean and just it almost looked fake. It was it was weird. It was a weird feeling um, watching it, and super super colorful. And they keep that they keep that you know aesthetic throughout the whole film. Jacob. Um, as being the guy that you know gets Ooh. off on cinematography, I think you should watch oh, this. Dude, this movie will blow your mind. I mean, I feel it. <laughs> I will. Um, I'll bring it. I'll bring you the Criterion. Hard. I'll bring you the Criterion it. when I uh, when I come over. So yeah, this was uh, cinematography by Robbie Mueller, um, who did some other. It's it's Vim Vendors or is it Wim Ven- or is it Vim Wenders or Vim Vendors? I think it's Vim Vendors. I think so too. But I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay, so he he's done a bunch of uh, Vim Vendors movies also, which I'm you know kind of dying to check out now. Um, in terms of Paris, Texas itself, I think I had a little bit too high Why? of expectations. <laughs> um, Sorry about that. <laughs> I did no, I really really enjoyed it. it. My here's my problem with it is I think just like the character kind of arc and story in this yeah yeah and i now i see you love it <laughs> no, the recluse yeah, yeah you totally wish you could go leave everybody and walk in the desert for four years uh, yeah it makes total sense now myself. yeah it makes total sense now um yeah just like their kind of arc and story it didn't it almost kind of felt i didn't want like exposition and of like motivation and stuff like that but I really like a lot of the scenes separately, but just there, his story with his son and and everything, how it came together, just fell off a little bit. But I love all the individual scenes. I love when he's watching the home videos. Uh, oh, I love dude. the phone booth scene. Um, all of these scenes separately, I, like the, I love. Like the stakeout but, scene, that scene's awesome. Yeah, the stakeout scene was good, <laughs> although a little weird, like <laughs> the convenient i mean that he wakes up like right when it's the car the right car passing by it's anyway uh totally like an 80s both walking on thing sides of the street it, yeah yeah 
great. Oh yeah, yeah. The yeah when he's um, pay, uh, wants to walk home with him from school. Yeah, all of these scenes separately, I love. Together, I couldn't. Now, how about the scene? The scene of the movie, the, the, the climax. <laughs> Not my favorite scene, but it is like the most important scene in the movie. You know what I'm talking about, right? I think you're talking about his story and his... Wait, should I listen to this? Because I want to watch this. So. I mean, it's not going to be spoiler, no, no, but... we won't spoiler it. Oh, okay. You're just talking about All the right, phone booth, right. the... It's it's like a two-way mirror or whatever. Yeah, 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 the two-way. I mean, When I say phone booth, I mean the phone... Uh, yeah, the... I gotcha. Okay. That scene, yeah, yeah. The scene. Um, yes, I liked it, but that was also where it came kind of... Because right before that, he right he writes the note and like all like his journey up to that point seems I don't know you don't get this is why I need to rewatch and I think it could go up is I'm missing part of his motivation or his what he's trying to get out of it and I've and I read things after it like he's just searching yeah. for peace that he'll never find but like you, it's hard to get that on a first time viewing. Right. No, it definitely doesn't spell things out. No. And it also is, there is something a little off by the movie, but I think that's why I like it so much is that like, I don't know. I just feel like you can pick up more each time you watch it. And, and that's also harder. why I'm, I'm very glad I, or I don't regret buying it at all because this is something that I think you can get more out of on a rewatch. And I am excited to rewatch it for sure. Um, and it looks amazing and it looks amazing the score is amazing score is great yeah um yeah all the writing is great too like you know the conversations and stuff and like i said all of those scenes separately i absolutely love it's just uh, how it comes together as a whole i didn't it's also totally cool love. to see uh harry dean stanton in a main role like this because he was pretty much a title or like a character actor the majority of oh, his yeah. career yeah definitely yeah, Did you um, know that um, Sam Shepard wrote this? Sam Shepard. He like wrote is. plays and stuff, <laughs> but he's a pretty popular actor. Yeah, you um, know who he is. He's in like Days okay. of Heaven and Midnight Special. Oh, okay, Midnight Special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I didn't know. No, I didn't know he wrote this. Hmm. Interesting. Is this like a? Was this, wasn't it based on wasn't it based on something else also, or was it not? I could be wrong. I think it might have been an original. I think yeah, I think he originally wrote it, but maybe it was. No, it's an adaptation. It says. Yeah, adaptation by L. M. Kit Carson, or he did the adapt. It is an adaptation. I don't know. Anyway, oh, okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I can't. IMDb is not too specific about where they're giving credit to the writing, but um. Yeah, I know. I really did like Harry Dean Stanton, and he's he's great in it. Um, did you catch up with Lucky from his like one of his last roles before he died? Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay too. I was kind of disappointed by it, honestly. Same. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that kind of like this movie just reminded me of that like that uh, character, I guess. Anyway, um, yeah, really, really liked it. I uh, can't wait to rewatch it. Four stars for now. Definitely anticipating um, some future bumps. As long as you get it up to a five at some point. <laughs> no pressure, good. right? We're Shit. <laughs> no, we'll see. Yeah, you guys there. should all watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, 
I have to bring them some other movies um, for our next premium, which I also, I'll just say I watched Requiem for a Dream. I'm not going to talk about it here, but did get a chance to watch that. So, uh, yeah, I'll bring those movies to you guys uh, next time I see you. All right, who wants to go next? Word. Josh, did you watch anything? Nope. Jacob, anything else? I mean, I did watch something else, but didn't want to really go too far into it. I guess I can mention it, though. Well, why wouldn't you talk about it? What is it? I don't know. The Wolf of Snow <laughs> Hollow. Oh, it just didn't make your list. Okay. You, you watched Vasa Knight, too. <clears throat> I did watch Vasa I did watch So there you go. What the hell? I why are you holding out? I more than I thought. Okay. Well, Look at your diary, well, Jacob. Are they not logged? Bitch. I am looking at my <laughs> diary, okay? Oh, my God. I mean, I really want to talk about This is Jacob's first episode. Too, but <laughs> I, I just don't want to... I didn't talk about another round either. When we Ooh, I lied. Hear what you have to say about Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yeah, yeah me too, because I haven't seen it, and I didn't watch it for my top ten. So. so I guess I don't really get all the praise that I felt like it was getting, but it was pretty, like, it was campy, but and it felt intentional in what it was doing, but that doesn't necessarily always mean it's going to be good, and in this case, I felt like it was not great i still enjoyed it overall and it (laughs) but yeah i i guess i i just didn't get it and i i was one of the people who just don't get it i still gave it a three out of five though it wasn't i mean enjoyable for what it was but eventually it like overstates welcome with the campiness and everything it just felt kind of uh pointless I mean, from what I know of the director, his movies are, are kind of split like that. Um, Thunder Road, Wolf of Snow Hollow being But that. it honestly felt like like my kind of movie. Like, I like that kind of stuff, but it did not work for me as well as it clearly did for other people. Mm. Yeah, I uh, it's still on my watch list, but now it's gone way down on priorities because 2020 is over. Yeah, I would say you can wait. <laughs> I'm probably more apt to check out Thunder Road first over that, and then if I like Thunder Road, move on to Wolf of Snow Hollow. So that's fair. Uh, Travis, did you watch Wolf of Snow Hollow? I did actually. Oh, is it? Uh, do you, are you saving it? <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> uh, I actually really liked it. <laughs> mm, I know why. This is getting the Krisha bump. <laughs> Why Krisha? <laughs> uh, Jim Cummings produced Krisha. You didn't know that? Oh, really? No, yeah. <laughs> I've actually seen Thunder Road and Wolf of Snow Hollow, and I preferred Wolf of Snow Hollow hmm. greatly over Thunder Road. I thought Thunder okay. Road was just okay. I didn't mm-hmm. really get into it, but I loved Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um, it is quirky. It's got, I guess you could compare it to like, Maybe like Fargo or even like what was that zombie movie that came out? Yes, I, I know exactly uh, what you're thinking of with Jim yeah. Jarmusch. Yeah, Jim Jarmusch zombie. The Dead Don't Die. This is like a good version of that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that, so I can't compare. I love the uh, the like the cinematography and the setting of this, and also mm-hmm. just some of the like the fades. I don't know the way they like edited the movie was really cool. With um, they would like do shots of like landscapes but then flip them and Mm -hmm. like overlap them over each other and stuff i don't know i thought it looked really cool 
Um, and it didn't overstay its welcome. It's like 80 something minutes long and there's a mystery to it that I didn't really know where it was going. Um, it also kind of feels like, but it's uh, felt, felt like Scooby-Doo mystery. Yeah. Or like it, it even kind of gave me like Zodiac vibes where okay, this yeah. detective is like obsessed with, you know, figuring it out and goes to great lengths to do so. And I also just thought it was really funny. Like there's a couple really funny moments in it. Yeah, um, it was pretty funny. And I also, I just liked the, the ending as well. I don't know. I, I really liked it. did you end up it. giving it? Uh, Tune in. <laughs> Tune in to Cinevile's Digest oh, right. next week. Yeah, high, high school. No, I thought this was probably from back. No, I watched Saving this in it. between. This is part of the Cram Jam, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. That's fair. I'll allow it. <laughs> um, did you have anything else that you do want to elaborate on? Because I only have one other thing and I'm not really going to talk that much about it. Um, yeah, I could talk about a couple more things. I I mean, I've watched a ton lately, so yeah. um, not to call anyone out, but I did watch She Dies Tomorrow and Ooh, I absolutely gotcha. hated it. So you finished it. Okay, we didn't talk after you finished it. You're like, does it get better? I said, no, it kind of stays the same, it but I liked hard. it still. <laughs> so you didn't like it. Uh, this, to me, is probably the worst movie of 2020. No shot. And the worst. Dude, what happened in this movie besides nothing? <sighs> it's... I honestly feel like nothing <laughs> happened, and it was just a bunch of, like, sad weirded out Mm -hmm. characters for 80 something minutes some like wannabe cool imagery that didn't lend itself to the story and then it just ended see joshua you need to fight against this this was a top yeah this is your top 10 pick what do you have to say i mean i liked it i didn't love it but enlighten me because i I did not see what everyone else is seeing. <laughs> I love the uh, the comedy of it. Like, I actually thought this movie was really funny at times because of the, like, her, like, whole mm, lackadaisical approach to the fact that she thought she was going to literally die. Wait, like, was it supposed to be funny? I would say it's yeah, a dark comedy, yeah. Yeah, there's, like, literally the first, ta- the first genre on IMDb is comedy. Well, that's alphabetical. But oh, she it is a tomorrow. genre. <laughs> But still, well, C movie, comes right? before D, so yeah. Um, <laughs> I did not laugh once, and did not. You didn't think the Adam Wingard scene was uh, funny? Yeah, the Adam Wingard <laughs> scene, or the uh, scene with the uh, where they're at the she's like the party. No, I thought it was all. <laughs> no, I mean he says the worst, so why are we? Why even ask, right? Yeah, he's just like, no, I didn't say that. Yeah, I really like the Christmas scene. scene like them with the daughter, you know, and I'm trying to remember, it's been a while since I've seen it, but how that plays out with like, I don't know, kind of the, the idea of, I guess they're going to lose their, lose their daughter. But anyway, so funny. Didn't, (laughs) (laughs) almost comedy. well, it goes into both. It goes into, uh, I'm kidding. Multiple territories. I don't know. I just, I did not get the comedic elements in, it just was such a slog. Like it was one of those slow burns that are just like insufferable. No payoff. 
Like Hagazusa. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like Hagazusa. Like the other lamb. <laughs> yeah, the lamb's great too. <laughs> um, you guys. Are yeah, so that's too bad. It. It's under an hour and a half, so I thought it'd be. Uh, I haven't seen it. You know, I can't say right up your alley. Um, okay, I will. I'll say I'll go next. I guess because there's a. I watched uh, after all these. Heavy, heavy movies, you know, Requiem for a Dream. I watched Pieces of Woman, even Promising Young Woman. She had to fit in a nice, just stupid comedy, Light Watch, watch, you know. Put this on in the background and ended up focusing more on it than I anticipated, and that was Sex Drive from 2008. And it totally feels like this pre-2010. Classic. Terrible, like, teen comedy, you know. The the thing with it it. is, is it does actually have, like, some elevated parts, like, comedy-wise, like, it does do some things better than, you know, a really bad teen comedy. I guess that's why it's pretty much rated in the middle of the road. But it, and then it, there's just the other parts that it, the tropey cliche parts that it has to follow to fall into that genre that bring it really far down. So it's not great, but it does do some things well. And yeah, like I said, I literally have nothing to say about it because it's so basic. But yeah. I think I ended up giving it a uh, two, two stars. So he's like a f- f- two. Yeah, <laughs> a five two stars. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead, Travis. Keep keep it rolling. Uh, I watched a movie called Driveways. That was a twenty twenty movie with um, Brian Dennehy. It was like his last role, I think. Oh yeah, I just Brian saw Dennehy. some pictures of this. Yeah, Brian the Dennehy. Dad and Tommy Boy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm saying I was gonna say Tommy Boy. Like literally, the only thing I know him from. Um. It was solid. It's a very nice movie, and it's very indie as well. But it's basically about this um, mom and her son. Uh, her, her sister passes away, so they like go to her house and attempt to like clean it out to get it ready to sell or move in or whatever. Um, and then Brian Dennehy is like this old curmudgeon that lives next door, and he. Um, develops like a unlikely friendship with this kid so it's you know very indie in that regard Um, Mm. I feel like we've seen plenty of setups like this before and uh, to be honest he's really not all that awful like they the plot synopsis tries to make him sound like he's just like this grumpy old man but you never really get that while watching it. it you know it was like a sweet nice movie it's pretty short Nice core. Um, it's nothing special, really. It's pretty middle of the road. Hmm. Another movie with some pretty high praise, it looks like. Mm-hmm. But another typical drama, you'd say. Oh yeah. Not moving the needle. No. Uh, there was a drama though that is moving the needle that is also highly acclaimed from 2020 called mm-hmm. Saint Francis. Mm. Caught up with that one as well. Have you guys seen that one or heard of it? I've heard of it. Have not nope. seen it yet. Heard of it, yeah, not seen it. I thought it was really good. It kind of reminded me of a movie from last year called The Family that was also really underseen. I don't know if you guys heard or saw that one. It's got the, girl, the Robert De Niro the main movie? girl from... Uh, no. <laughs> uh, the main girl from <laughs> um, Orange is the New Black. Maybe it's just called uh, Piper, Piper Pri- something. 
think it's just called Family, actually. Yeah. Okay, The Family is the Robert De Niro movie. <laughs> That's yeah. So okay. Family with Taylor Schilling. That's what. Ah, uh, Taylor Schilling. Oh, her name is Piper in the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it kind of reminded me of that. But essentially, the plot is um, of Saint Francis is this woman in her like early thirties doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. Is kind of just like coasting through it. She like takes this babysitting job and develops a relationship with the titular character Francis, who's the the girl she's babysitting, and um, just kind of like you know navigates her life and struggles. And there's like a relationship that she gets involved in with, and then she also kind of gets not like romantically involved or anything, but she gets involved with the the parents of Francis. And I don't know. I thought it was a really good drama and for like how indie it was um i thought it was done really well hmm. so i would definitely recommend that one and this one is available because it looks canopy uh i watched it on canopy yeah oh yeah nice canopy for free yeah we're beautiful yeah i would okay. definitely recommend that yeah if it's free for sure um anything else mm. Not really. I mean, I, I did watch a lot of stuff, so I could go into it, but... Yeah, really all the important stuff we'll hear on your show. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I will say one more thing. Again, not a lot to say. We don't do TV reviews, but I finished uh, the second season of The Boys today, and... Oh, I finished that too, so... Um, I don't think it's as strong as the first season. I did yeah. like, kind of, uh, kind of, kind of took... It feels like it took halfway through the season to really get steam going again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like what they kind of did by the end, uh, especially yeah. with like the character of Stormfront and um, just how it relates to modern views and politics and kind of what they were poking fun at. You know, it feels like a very, a show that's can be heavy handed, but it, it's does it in such a satirical and over the top way that it's yeah self-aware enough to get away with it um so you know i enjoyed that and kind of her her end and um all the stuff that happens Um, i i definitely enjoyed it i would say also the first season was more complete yeah like like more it feels like they were they knew so the problem is like the first season they kind of had this premise and they might not have known what to expect. And it was such a massive hit. Make a season two. Yeah. Right? Season yeah. two feels like, okay, now we have to start weaving all these threads in and we're <laughs> yeah. going to start opening, cracking these doors, but not fully opening them. And it's like a lot of, um, just unanswered questions and open plot things that yeah. can go on in the future. So it feels yeah. less complete in that way, but yeah, still, still really good. It's still, yeah. Like they knew they were gonna get another season. With yeah, they know it's gonna over. continue. It's probably yeah. renewed already for maybe it's, two more I'm or sure three they're more. Are, they're probably working on it. Already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, not a lot to say. But it's still still enjoyable. If nobody's checked it out, uh, give it a watch. Yeah, special effects too. Like. Top oh yeah, that was the other thing is they went way heavier on all of the gore and effects. Like, yeah. it felt so much more restrained in the first season. I mean, definitely probably due to budget, but. Just even like the gore, they didn't, uh, they didn't they go did as far. <laughs> in this one, there's like probably exploding <laughs> heads, exploding way. heads in at least half that of the episodes. Who can like regenerate? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. 
yeah, they do some pretty gross out effects, which is I like nice to see in uh, yeah a TV show, especially when a superhero is like you know I hate most Marvel oh, yeah, and DC stuff, too. but yeah, this is this like is just so like such a <laughs> realistic with like how superheroes would actually function. <laughs> yeah, you know, be assholes. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, all right, well, I think that brings us to a close. Uh, next week, have we talked about next week? What are we doing yeah. next week? Yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> hey, Jacob, you know, I when I went to the theater, I saw what was a lot of Showtime's was Monster Hunter. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> But that's not digital yet, right? No. I mean, you'd have to go to the theater to see it, but yeah. I'm just saying it's possible to see. I mean, I really do want to see it just because why not? I mean, as bad as the Resident Evil movies were, I still watched all of them. Yeah. So... And um, I there is actually there's some Netflix original content. I don't know if you saw that story too, but Netflix is planning on releasing a new original movie every week, every week. in the year. Every week. So that's going to be yeah. 52 Netflix movies this year. And it has How a bunch of big people, good. DiCaprio <laughs> and shit. Like. Uh yeah, I expect I expect the ratio to be about the same. You know, the auteurs they get their Netflix money and they make a movie that'll be good, and you know, then you have all of your tall shit. girls and to all the other boys I've get fucked or whatever, you know, those movies in there. Well, the, you know, that goes in the auteur category, all the good ones. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure there's some content out there. I don't know. We're going to have to talk about it and uh, post about it, but I guess TBD for now. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. So that'll be next week. TBD. Travis, thanks for being on the show. Um, why don't you yeah, plug for me. Cinephiles Digest? I know you have a big episode coming up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have our yeah. best of 2020 coming up. Yeah, thanks um, for joining. We'll probably, re- yeah, we'll probably record tomorrow, and it'll I'm sure it'll be out sometime next week. Um, other than that, not much to, not too much else to plug. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Travis Paul, all one word if you're interested. I'm hiding most of my watches lately <laughs> in uh, preparation for the <laughs> Until the episode 10. comes out. But after that, I will update them all with their star ratings. Yes, then we can be in the policing again. Thank God. Yes. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, give it a listen and see the updated lists. I think um, I think even huge. from Matt's uh, recording, there might be some different entries or new entries moving around oh yeah he's making a spot yep. for tenant <laughs> that's for sure i mean he has to it's five stars right um yeah, yeah I so think h- half my list will be different at least from uh when i recorded with you guys and gave mine yeah yeah just to update like uh people that listen to the five hour episode <laughs> um you know All travis you who listened to every minute <laughs> of that five hour <laughs> travis and matt were both on there and they gave their top 10 of the year at the time uh that could be different so you know if you're interested in updated lists definitely go listen to their podcast you should listen to their podcast anyway but uh that's cinephiles digest so all right um if you want to give uh, send us a question or comment you can email us at suds and cinema podcast at gmail.com you can follow us on instagram at suds and cinema podcast i am on letterboxd and untapped at the kg project i'm on both of those as jsal 517 that's jsal 517 and i am on both platforms as well at josh underscore saldana all right thanks for listening cheers guys
thought it would just be higher, but I mean the dancing scene alone, I thought would. You're just wrong. It's no, um, <laughs> it's no nocturnal wrong. animals dancing opening. Oh my god, <laughs> that's the pinnacle of movies. dancing <laughs> scenes. <laughs>